Before we get into today's Reddit stories, I first of all need to tell you about one of my other favorite Reddit podcasts out there, The OKOP Show. If you guys are looking for even more daily Reddit content, then The OKOP Show with John and Sam is perfect for you. Just search for the letters OKOP wherever you get your pods. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to a three-hour Entitled Parent special. In this episode, I'll be showing you some of the very best Entitled Parent stories from the past year, starting with this absolute classic in which a daughter admits that she wants her entitled mum to die a miserable, lonely death. My mother is probably going to die alone and I'm very happy about it. Some backstory. I moved to Texas in 2013 when I was 26 on a whim because my relationship with my mother was toxic beyond belief. Throughout my time there, I'd cut off all communication due to her alcoholism, causing a domino effect in other parts of my life, i.e. me having to call off my wedding because she decided to go into a drunken rage a few nights beforehand. Fast forward to December 23rd of 2020. My dad got COVID and spent nine days in the hospital and ultimately passed away on January the 2nd, 2021. His death caused me to literally sell everything I owned, break my lease on my rental house, quit my beloved job, leave all of my friends to move home to new york to help her her alcoholism has gotten so out of control that she refuses to work i'm 65 i've paid my dues so she depended on me and my younger sister to help her i knew dang well where this was going and i knew what the end result was going to be she wakes up and the first thing she does before she even takes a pee is make herself a vodka soda She gets so blackout drunk by 11 a.m. that she's falling on the tile floor. She's pooped herself multiple times. She face planted right into two TVs over the course of a year while trying to get off the couch. I've been home since March 27th, 2021, and she's been to detox twice, AA multiple times, but she never goes through with it. She just sits on the couch and cries about how she lost her husband. Not to discredit her, but two daughters also lost their dad way too early. No warning. It's the same old song and dance. She charged me 600 a month for a glorified closet with a twin-size mattress on the floor, not even a box spring under it. I swear, Ukrainian refugees had better living conditions than me. She makes my sister do all the cooking because she's so drunk by the time the afternoon rolls around that she's usually passed out. Things finally came to a head back in April when I had a few friends over on a Friday night. We had a fire going out the back. I'm in my early 30s, so my rager days are long gone. Just literally four friends. Pandora playing on my phone, not even a speaker, and some weed. Very low-key in my opinion. Well, not low-key enough for her. She stumbles out, slurring and screaming that we need to STFU, turn it down. It's so loud. It was 9pm on a Friday. So I just go numb and start yesing her to death. All the while giving my friends the she's about to morph into a demogorgon time to leave save yourself i volunteer as tribute look as everyone is gathering their things she gets in my face and slurs you were my worst mistake and i wish you would have died instead of your father 
when I tell you it took every ounce of self-control not to just throw her into that fire pit. So I made it my mission to get the F out. I found a rental house that I have to work two jobs to afford. I'm happy as a clam. I felt bad for leaving my sister. We're only two years apart and very, very close. I knew it was just going to take a little time before my sister had enough of her leeching. Lo and behold, I become great friends with my neighbor who has an apartment available. Guess who's moving in solo November 1st? That's right, my sister. And guess who has to go move to Bumfrick, North Carolina because her friend is offering her a room to stay in? That's right, the see you next Tuesday herself. I give it six months before her friend gets absolutely fed up with her drunken BS. I personally don't really care what happens to her. As far as I'm concerned, I don't have any parents. I hope she dies a lonely, miserable death. I know my sister and I will be just fine, even better when she's gone for good. Well, OP, good for both you and your sister for getting out of there as quickly as you did, because I imagine that even that was very hard, as much as you obviously wanted to for clear reasons. It sounds like no contact is coming pretty soon from your guys' ends. It also sounds like your mum will probably be kicked out of her new house very soon as well. And it also sounds as if your mum probably will die a miserable, lonely death which is what you wanted after all this time. Vegan mum yells at me for eating chicken. Now, a couple of things before I start this story. This actually happened to my friend, but I'm going to use I and me because that's easier. And also, I've got nothing against anyone being vegan or vegetarian. I just like eating meat. So I'm in a restaurant and I'm alone. I order, no problem, and sit down with some chicken wings. I'm sat on my phone while shoving as many down my throat as I can, until in my peripheral vision, I see a lady staring at me and talking to someone else while staring directly at me. At that moment, I decided not to make eye contact. This is the entitled vegan mum. I'm almost finishing my meal, and then I hear someone say, Did you know a chicken died for your meal? I instantly knew she was talking to me. And here is the way the conversation went down. I'm sorry? Your chicken wings. An animal died for your meal. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, look, I know that an animal died, but I still want to eat it. And I'm sorry, but can you please leave me alone? This society keeps getting worse and worse. There's people like you that enjoy eating the flesh of innocent lies, but you can still change to a vegan lifestyle. What? I said you can switch to veganism. This got the people surrounding us attention. Please go away, I said. Excuse me? I said, please go away. I don't want to talk to you and I'm not going to veganism just because some lady who I don't know told me to. This generation is terrible. How disrespectful can you be to a person that's just explaining how your actions affect others? At this point, a worker started to head over. I don't care, just go away. Then the worker got involved. Excuse me, can you two try and keep the volume down or I'm going to have to ask you to leave? He's harassing me and screaming at me while I'm just letting him know the consequences of eating meat. I then explained to the worker exactly what happened. Oh, okay. I understand. Look, mom, I'm going to need to ask you to return to your seats. Are you really going to believe him? Well, yes. Well, I'm going to leave if you're going to be like that. All right, then. Bye. Oh, I feel bad about what my friend had to go through. As I've said before many times on my channel, and I'm sure you guys agree with my opinion on this one. If someone has a very strong belief about something, then that is absolutely fine. No matter what it is, whatever someone believes in, I'm never going to judge that really, because you can just believe in whatever you want to. You know, we live in a free world. And if someone wants to be vegan or, you know, believe in a certain religion or live their life in a certain way, then that is their choice. Completely fine. I mean, with veganism in particular, it's a pretty incredible thing. You know, obviously vegans limit themselves to what they can eat. And, you know, as part of that, yeah 
<laughs> they're not eating other animals. It's a pretty great thing to do. I completely rate it. And to be honest, like, I have thought about it a couple of times going vegan myself. Like OP, I do love me a lot. And it is like a big part of my diet. So I, I'm not sure if I want to do it. But for the sake of the world... I rate people that do it very highly. However, and you guys probably knew I was going to say this, the problem for me comes when people start forcing their beliefs onto other people. That's like, that's too far. In this situation, someone's eating chicken. It's perfectly legal. And you may not like it because you're a vegan, but you can't then go and just like start abusing them for it. Sure, maybe you can, you know, go up to them and ask if they'd be interested in hearing about veganism and the great benefits of it. But you can't just go up to this random kid and start shouting at him in a restaurant. That's way too far. And to be honest, that just gives a bad name to vegans. Like, you know, that vegan teacher that I've used in the thumbnail of today's video. She hasn't really done that much for the vegan community, has she? She's kind of like made a ridicule of the whole thing. Not that vegans would say that she is a part of the community, but, you know, she hasn't really helped, has she? To sum up, vegans are awesome and people that believe in things are awesome, but then don't just force your beliefs onto random people unnecessarily. That's too far. Right then, moving on to our second story of today's episode. Entitled mum gets me beaten up because I refuse to steal for her son, her entitled kid. I am a 44-year-old female. A few weeks ago, I visited my 24-year-old nephew and he said something that reminded me of this story that happened back when I was 13. I've never forgotten it and it actually tormented me for years. But until my nephew made the comments, I'll add what he said at the end of the story, I hadn't realized just how much it shaped who I am. I'm the youngest of five kids. I have three sisters and a brother. Our mum raised us all alone. My next door neighbor, who I'll call the entitled mum, also had five kids, four girls and a boy. The boy, a nine-year-old male, is the entitled kid of this story. Now, this next part is sadly relevant. All of us are white, except for that entitled kid, whose father was from India. We're all in the UK. Now, some important info. My mum and the entitled mum were friends as well as neighbors. They'd go in each other's homes daily for a cup of tea and a chat. I never liked that entitled mum. She always knocked me down when my mum wasn't around. And when I told my mum about this, she always told me I'd misunderstood and that the entitled mum would never mean anything she said in a bad way. She'd tell me that I was too sensitive, which I admit I am, and I still am to this day. Two of my sisters, who were 15 and 16 years old at the time, were friends with two of the entitled mum's daughters and were really nice nothing like their brother so then moving on to the story mum never liked us staying indoors so i was sent to play outside on my own the entitled kid saw me and called me over we were by his front gate at the time which is important with full view of their front door the entitled kid said to me op i want some smarties can you get me some uh, for americans they're very similar to m&ms give me the money for them and i'll pop over to the shops for you I had nothing else to do, so I didn't mind. Uh, well, I don't have any money. Yeah, uh, I don't either. Sorry. Well, go and steal some Smarties for me. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. Go and steal me some, or I'll tell my mum you were mean to me. No way. Then I try and change the subject. I commented that I liked his new jacket that he was wearing. The kid looked at his jacket, and his face changed. He started to look all smug. He proceeded to spit a big gulp of saliva onto his sleeve. Then this was followed by an almighty scream. His entitled mum comes running out, looking all worried at her kid. Son, what's wrong? Look. He held up his arm with fake tears streaming down his face. Opie spat on my jacket and called me a racial slur. I was shocked. 
What? No, I didn't. Your kid wanted me to steal Smarties, but I refused. Then he spat on his own jacket and is trying to blame me for it. But the entitled mum didn't say a word to me. The look of anger was clear on her face and she glared at me, screaming at the top of her lungs for my mum. My mum comes running out and sees the angry entitled mum, her crying entitled kid, and me just stood there. I admit I was actually too much in shock to even react. What the entitled mum said next, I will never ever forget. She said to my mum, your daughter just spat on my kid's jacket and called him a racial slur. Is that how you're raising your kids? My mum said to me, is that true? No, he wanted me to steal sweets for him. I refused and now he's trying to get me in trouble. But the entitled mum continued on. No, I saw and heard her. I was stood by the front door when she spat on his jacket and called him that racial slur. She then turned to me. I saw and heard you. That was all my mum needed to hear. Another adult had seen it, so I didn't stand a chance. My mum grabbed me by my hair and dragged me into the house. Her anger now matched the entitled mums. And guys, remember when this story happened, OP, the person writing, was only 13 years old. Obviously, her mum's going to believe her other adult friend rather than her 13-year-old kid. Once inside, my mum pushed me against the wall and started slamming my head into it while screaming that she never raised me to be a racist. This was followed by slaps. I managed to pull away and tried to run up to my room, but she followed me. Once in my room, I was pushed on my bed and slapped some more. Mum thought she had a racist daughter and she was livid. I cried myself to sleep that night. For one month, I wasn't allowed to leave my small box bedroom for anything other than school. I had no radio or TV in my room. We couldn't afford it. My meals were brought to me. I'd be screamed at if I left for the bathroom, so I resorted to peeing in a plastic box and tipping it down the toilet after my mum had gone to bed. My sisters, knowing what the entitled kid was like, tried to make our mum see sense, but as far as she was concerned, another adult had seen me, so it must be true. The entitled kid was scared of my 16-year-old sister, so she took advantage of this and proceeded to threaten the entitled kid that if he ever did anything like that again, that she would make him regret it. Her threats worked and the kid left me alone. My sisters would also bring me books to read and keep me company when they could. I never had kids of my own, but I looked after my sister's kids a lot. The comment my nephew said was, one of the things I remember growing up about you is that if someone accused me of doing something, you didn't just take their word for it. You asked me if it was true and told me that you wouldn't be angry, that you just wanted to know the truth. He then said, I was never scared of telling you the truth because you always had my back. If I'd done it, you'd calmly explain why I was wrong and that would be the end of it. You know what, guys? It really helped knowing that something good came out of what happened. Now that is a tough one right there. Put yourself in OP's mum's shoes. She's just heard one of her best friends, who is of course an adult, tell her that she has heard her 13-year-old child being racist to her kid. Now, if I put myself in that position, as much as of course I would always back my kid in that situation, it would be super hard not to side with your friend, who is of course an adult. I believe what they were saying. Honestly, as much as it would hurt me, I would believe what they were saying. And as much as I wouldn't want to want to even think that my kid could say something like that, it would be really hard for me to not in the back of my mind just accept that, you know what? 
unfortunately, this might have actually happened. Now, for OP, obviously, this is a very horrible experience to have gone through. Being accused of being racist when that's just never, ever in your character, I can only imagine how horrible that feels. So I'm really sorry that you had to go through this. And you know what? That is the trouble of being a 13-year-old when other adults are accusing you of stuff you haven't done. You really can't do too much about it. In this situation, you kind of just had to accept it. As much as your sisters backed you, nothing really more you could have done there. However, as OP has said at the end of the story, the fact that there has been a positive outcome to this entire event is an amazing thing. And it just shows that as generations pass and, you know, kids become adults and have kids of their own or nephews of their own, they can, you know, teach them about their life's experience and hopefully remember this key event which happened and use it to, you know, not just jump to conclusions with their future kids or their future sister's kids like has happened in this story. So great to see that, you know, the whole human world of learning that kids don't always lie and that, you know, not every adult is always telling the truth. It's a tough one though. Like, I don't really blame OP's mum. I mean, look, in, in hindsight, of course, but, you know, at the time, she just heard her best mate say that her kid's being racist. That's a tough one. And guys, you also got to remember that, you know, back in the day, hitting your kid and stuff was, although it's an absolutely horrible thing and something that I'd never do. And fortunately, my parents never hit me or my sister. Um, it was something that was more prevalent. So it's not that out of the ordinary as much as it is disgusting. Wow. What a story. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Entitled father explodes when I won't hand his teenager a firearm. So this happened this past weekend and I'm still kind of shaking my head at this one. I'm an amateur competitive shooter. I compete in several disciplines, but by far my favorite is cowboy action shooting. It's timed, high speed, and a lot of fun. Everyone dresses up as cowboys and cowgirls and uses period weapons, and you pick your own cowboy name. That's right, we're nerds with guns. The best part about the community is that almost everyone tries to give back in some way. The way I choose is to dress up and donate my time telling folk tales at the local library. Minus the firearms, of course. Several of the other club members will attend heritage days, fairs, and the like. Last week, I get a call from our club president. He tells me that some of the members would be performing at a heritage festival, a couple of counties over from me, and he asked me if I'd pitch in and help. I tell him that I'd love to and ask for the details. He gives me all the information and asks me to do him a favor. He wants me to bring the big gun. I laugh and tell him I'd be happy to. The big gun is my all-time favorite firearm, an 1874 Sharps Quigley, so named because it was used in the Tom Selleck movie Quigley Down Under. I won't go into technical specs, but she's a pig, roughly four foot long and weighing somewhere around 13 pounds. She's even made by the same company that made the rifles for the movie. She's too big, too heavy, too expensive, and I love her. Her name is Cora. If you saw the movie, you'll get it. So I show up on Saturday, drag all my stuff to the booth and basically stand around looking like a knockoff Tom Selleck. Now, there are some strict precautions taken when we do events like this. 
no live ammunition anywhere on site. We even dig through our vehicles beforehand to make sure we didn't leave any in there by mistake. All weapons are transported in securely locked, hard-sided cases, and whenever they are removed, they have trigger locks on them. The club members that are performing will have blank rounds for fake gunfights, but those are kept in separate locked containers. While I'm standing around the booth, I answer any questions people may have. Yes, it's from that movie. Yes, it will shoot that far. No, I don't think I could do it. As this is going on, I see a boy, maybe 15, 16 years old, studying my rifle pretty intensely. I ask him if he has any questions, and he proceeds to rattle off all the specs of the rifle to me. I'm impressed, and I tell him that he really knows his stuff. He tells me that Quigley was his grandfather's favorite movie, and that he used to watch it with him before he died. We talk about the movie and how awesome Alan Rickman was, before he asks if he can hold the rifle. I tell him that I don't have a problem with it if he gets his parents to come over and give their permission. The kid runs off and after a bit, he returns with his father. I knew I was in for a rough time when the first words out of his mouth were, why won't you let my son touch the freaking gun? I could tell that this was typical behavior by the way that the kid turned bright red and stared at the ground. All the other club members had gone off for a performance. So I was alone at the booth with the kid and this idiot. I told the man, sir, I have no problem with him touching the rifle. I just want your permission first. He's a minor and I didn't think it was a good idea to hand a firearm to him without your consent. The guy then starts to yell at me saying, I don't see what the big effing deal is. It's not even freaking loaded. I respond with, I take it he has permission then? Of course he freaking does. I tell the boy to go ahead. His face lights up as he hefts the rifle, grinning from ear to ear. He asks if he can take a picture and I agree. I even took my cartridge belt off and let him wear it. Just dummy rounds, only bullet encasing, no primer or powder. The kid thanks me and starts to walk off before his father stops him. Do you want to play with any of these other guns? I inform the father that I don't own those weapons, but he is welcome to wait and ask the people who do. He starts yelling about how he doesn't need permission and how this is a free country and that he can do what he wants. All this yelling gets the attention of the deputies that are patrolling the fairgrounds. A couple of them walk over and tell him that if he doesn't calm down, that he will be asked to leave. He quickly tells his son that they're leaving, but before they walk away, I call out to him. I pull one of the dummy rounds out of my belt and ask, can your son have this? He mumbled something about not caring, so I hand it to his son. I tell the boy what it is and that he can make a keychain or something out of it. I also hand him a club card with my email written on the back. I said, if you can get permission from another guardian who's willing to bring you out and sign some paperwork, let me know. And you can come shoot a match with us. I'll even bring Cora. I received an email from his mother this evening and they'll both be joining us for a match in a couple of weeks. For those of you that have an interest in what the sport is all about, here's a link to a video for a club in Central Florida. I happen to know some of them and they're a good group. All right, guys, let's check this out. All right, then let's check this out. We've got, oh, okay. So you literally is just dressing up as cowboys, shooting guns, action, shooting, of course. Jesus, the, the pace of that. My days. Looks like a lot of fun. All right, so out of the traps. That is rapid. Okay, it makes sense now. So it's sort of like a, kind of like a cultural thing. Speed test, dressing up as cowboys. Looks like a lot of fun if you're into that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I guess that's what it's all about, really. Looks good fun. 
But it also looks quite dangerous. You know, they are shooting guns and stuff. Obviously, these guys are well trained and they know what they're doing and they're rapid and it's all under control. But you would not want to give a kid a gun. Yeah, would you? Realistically. Because look at that. That's pretty dangerous stuff. And he is shooting that at quite a rate. Now, the funny thing about this first story, guys, was that if you've been around on the channel for a long time, as in literally since my first video, so that's going to be like a tiny, tiny percentage of you guys. My first ever Entitled Parents video was actually on a very similar story to this one. It was all about an entitled dad demanding that his kid use a gun. Um, I'll chuck the thumbnail on screen now. If you recognize this, if you've seen this video, you're an OG, you're a legend. I'll link it up there if you want to see like the difference between my videos now and two years ago. That up there is literally my first ever Entitled Parents video. It's a pretty embarrassing one. So um, yeah, if you want to go back and, you know, see how far the videos have come, check that out. It's a funny one. All right, then moving on to our second story. Entitled mum wants her kid to drink underage. Loses it when I say no. Boy, howdy, do I have some entitled parent stories from when I worked in upscale restaurants. Diners, parents behave. Kids behave, or try to behave with their parents encouraging good behavior. Of course, kids get a pass for the odd poor manner here and there. But the bougier the restaurant, the more entitled parents seem to get. So, here I am, fancy Italian restaurants. I go up to the table, introduce myself, and ask if I can start them with some drinks. The entitled mum says, Oh, son, honey, show the lady your ID so we can get some cocktails. A young man, who I would not guess as older than 16, hands me the most blatantly fake ID I've ever seen. Like, I don't know who this thing would fool. The photo was crooked and clearly pasted on, and it peeled off when I ran my thumb over it to reveal a totally different person. And the name on the ID was Amanda. So it's a very, very bad fake. I'm sorry, but do you have another form of ID? Because this isn't yours. What do you mean that isn't his? That is his ID. Well, well, no, I don't think he's a black female named Amanda. So no, this is not his ID. And I can't serve anyone at the table alcohol now. It's the law. My manager overheard some of this and comes over. Is there a problem? She won't serve my son alcohol, even though he showed his ID. At this, I handed my manager the fake ID. Mom, this is clearly a fake ID. Now, by law, we can't serve anyone at this table alcohol. She lost her head. She jumped up, held a fork like she wanted to stab someone with it, and demanded to speak to the owner. The owner had also heard the whole thing, and he comes over and informs this woman that no, we will not be serving them alcohol, and she can now leave, either via their own legs or the cops, because we weren't serving them food either. The entitled mum and family do decide we're serious and storm out, making a scene ranting the whole way out the door. Other guests are staring and then go back to their food with a lot of uncomfortable giggles. I have so many other stories from this restaurant. This isn't even the worst one. All right, OP, first of all, um, if you have more stories, please let us all know because that one was brilliant. Second of all, what an idiotic woman. It's, it's so dumb. Like, yeah, obviously you can't now have alcohol for the entire table. I mean, those are the rules, aren't they? If you use a fake ID for a kid, then it's obvious that even if that kid isn't served, the alcohol that you guys are going to buy as adults, you're probably going to give some to him. So no, you're now not going to get any. Well done. You ruined it for everyone. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Fake IDs are a thing. Um, I actually have one for a bit. Uh, I don't know if I should say that, but who cares? I did. Some of you probably have one as well. They're a thing, but don't make it obvious. Don't act as a, as a 
black woman named Amanda when you're a white kid. Seriously, how dumb are you? And now moving on to our final story, just a short little one to finish off this episode. Karen demands her kid lifts weights because he does it, pointing at me, and insults my colored skin instructor. Well, I go to a gym every day, and today I had to train my hands. My trainer instructed me to take the four kilo weights. Then a lady enters and writes her name, that she's been vaccinated, blah, blah. So she sees me lifting the weights and she then tells her child, go get some. The kid happily goes to get the five kilogram weights and of course he fell down. To be honest, he seemed like three or four years old and he couldn't even lift the five kilogram weights. My trainer then intervened by taking the lifts off his hands and giving him the one kilogram instead. The Karen notices this and goes on a full rant. Hey, hey, what the heck do you think you're doing? Mom, I don't think this kid should be lifting five kilogram weights because it's gonna hurt his back. But he's doing it. She points at me. Yeah, because he's 63 kilograms. No, listen here, you insert horribly racist word here. If he does it, my kid will do it too. Get out. I'll not accept getting berated in my workspace. Karen, of course, didn't have anything else to say and she got her kid and left. Now, guys, I know what you're thinking. This story does seem a little bit fake, but just a heads up, this actually happened in Greece and OP is Greek. And to be fair, having been there myself, I know that rules around like kids going in gyms and stuff are way more relaxed than in the UK and America. So um, that is probably how the kid was even letting in the first place. As for the rest of the stuff, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to imagine it happened, but who knows? Maybe it did. You know what, guys? Comment down below. Do you think this story was fake, exaggerated from the truth, or, you know, completely realistic? I want to hear your thoughts. A magnet will not stick to vaccine injection hole. Today, I, a 22-year-old female, had my COVID-19 vaccine. When my mum got home, she took a magnet and tried to stick it to my vaccine arm without asking. When I asked, what are you doing? She said, just checking last night i was told it would give me shingles i would have heavy periods i'd be more depressed and kill myself and that i'm damaging a temple of god as the bible says you should not have them as it changes your dna this evening i've been told if i have any symptoms after then they were right i have asthma meaning i have a cough always i've been told that now i have covid and i'm gonna hurt them and other people and i am the reason why it's still spreading I'm not allowed to talk about the vaccine as it will annoy my mum's husband whilst he walks around saying vaccinated people are brain damaged and are all going to hell for having them. When I do talk about it, I'm told I shouldn't try and change their minds as they don't try and change mine. My mother has since argued how she raised me to be better and betraying what she believes and wants is a sign I don't appreciate my upbringing and that I'm disrespecting her. Ah, yeah, guys, it's going to be one of those videos, isn't it? I mean, what am I supposed to say to that? Stupidity. Let's carry on. All right, then. Now moving on to our next ridiculous story. Entitled ex-roommate and his free meal scam. Okay, so I have this former roommate who is a prime candidate for r slash neckbeard stories. Maybe I'll do a full series on him there at some point if I'm feeling ambitious. But for now, this little tidbit will do here. I just finished a 10-hour shift from work and wanted to just go home, shower, eat, and go to bed. I got as far as taking my shower and getting dressed and began to start to think about food. My roommate approached me and asked if I wanted to go to the bar and grill that was right up the road with him for dinner. I really didn't have the energy to cook anything for myself, so that sounded just fine, and I accepted the invitation. So we get there and are seated. He immediately orders a large appetizer and a drink. 
We then proceed to order our entrees. We wait for them to come out and I at this point am fighting just falling asleep right at the table. We finish our meal after he orders two more drinks and the waitress comes to give us the bill. She asks as they do if the bill is separate or together. I begin to say it's separate as I didn't expect him to pay for me, but then this happens. He looks at me and says, um, I don't have any money. So this son of a dog invites me to dinner knowing full well he has no way of paying for his meal or any of the extras that he ordered then sticks me with the bill sadly this is only one of the many and not even the worst things this sorry excuse for a human being has put me through again more later if people are interested to be fair normally if someone didn't have their card or you know couldn't pay at an actual restaurant i'd say that's absolutely fine just you know send me the money later but i think it's pretty clear from the fact that you've made this post op and the fact that you're not very happy about it that you don't expect to get that money back anytime soon what a terrible person now good thing for op is that they are now entitled ex-roommate so they've done the right thing and got rid of them or at least moved out themselves so that's a positive but yeah inviting someone to dinner and not having money to pay why now moving on to our third story entitled neighbor throws a fit that i won't let her in my house to take my alcohol when i'm gone i live in a three unit townhome we're all good friends and share keys with each other One of them is my best friend who with my approval enters my house when i'm gone to grab a soda in return She cooks me food and shares her alcohol with me on weekends Only thing is she has the code to my house alarm. This becomes relevant later one day My entitled neighbor who lives in a different building sees her leaving my house and asks what's up My friend tells her what's going on The entitled neighbor thinks we're friends just because i'm friendly to her when she comes around and texts me to rat out the neighbor I tell her it's fine. Now the entitled neighbor is very obnoxious But we are all nice to her because you don't want crazy people living across the streets The neighbor a week later comes by and asks why I won't give her a key I make up an excuse that it's a safety thing because i'm the only one with a fire extinguisher Which is also a fact The only excuse I can think of now is my landlord won't let me it seemed to shut her up I really do not want her in my house I can only imagine what she'll do in there and her bringing her kids over to see my stuff I have expensive computer equipment. I don't need kids around fast forward a month later She sees me unload a bucket of fireball shots and quickly makes a beeline across the streets and asks for some and tries to make friendly conversation I roll my eyes and struggle with the seal and hand her to thanks, babe. Love ya Ah, whatever. It's not a big deal. Meanwhile, she still messages me like friends and I watch her house from time to time while she's gone Last week, I'm at my mum's house when I get a phone call from my home security system company asking if I need police. Roommate and key holders have my code and it gives you 60 seconds to push the code even if it's wrong. So something is up. I rush home and my front door is wide open letting the hot summer air strain my electric bill with two cops inside. It's none other than my entitled neighbor standing at the counter and casually saying, here she is. She lets me in her house with best friends. My jaw drops. Apparently she has the garage door code to my friend's house where she found my house keys in my friend's house and had the balls to take my stuff when I was gone like she's entitled to it. Then she didn't even message me that the alarm was screaming or let me know that she wanted something and she didn't even leave when the cops showed up. It took the cops eight minutes to get there. So I've got no idea what she was doing poking around with a screaming alarm. 
she broke into two houses like it was no big deal i demand she leaves not pressing charges because i don't want a crazy angry neighbor my city charges you a hundred dollars if you have an unregistered alarm system so i get a fine from the city i paid the fee and stuck the bill in her doorway haven't seen a dime of that yet she also hasn't asked for my alcohol either since then yeah honestly guys i'm actually myself trying to move out pretty soon if you don't know i still live in my family home and and this is one of the things that you really can't you know predict or even help if you have a crazy neighbor who does stuff like this it doesn't matter where you move right you're kind of screwed and that is the thing for me that i'm like look i know like right here i have very nice neighbors and i obviously live with my family so that is the risk of moving out is that you know you're not sure what you're gonna get in terms of neighbors if i've got someone like that living near me or next to me trying to get in my gaff i'm moving back in here that's for sure that's crazy and now moving on to our final story of today's episode entitled ex-wife tried to get me fired over a bank account she wasn't supposed to access i worked at a small community bank for a time as a banker opening and closing accounts completing paperwork etc This occurred shortly after we opened our doors again after COVID. An older gentleman, whom we'll call Jim, came in on a random Monday and asked to speak with a banker. I was available and invited him into my office. Once inside, he relayed that he and his wife, we'll call her Karen, were going through a divorce. Jim expressed that Karen had full control over the finances to the point where he didn't even have a checkbook or debit card for the accounts even though one of the accounts was solely funded by his pension checks. He then informed me that he'd come in to check if Karen had been writing checks off of the accounts, as he had a copy of a legal document she had signed stating that she'd only be writing checks off of the accounts for necessities up until a certain date, which happened to be three weeks prior to Jim coming in. After ascertaining that he was who he said he was, you know, checking his ID, I pulled up the account in question. Since Karen only had checks for the accounts, we could track and view a photocopy of each check written that had been cashed. We discovered that she had continued to spend not only past the date she was supposed to stop, but she'd also been writing checks for non-essentials, also a no-no. Jim then tells me that he was suspicious that this would happen because when they began the divorce process, she'd taken half of the money out of the accounts and was forced to put it back. I could see the transactions in the account history. He wasn't lying. He then asked me what he can do to ensure that she cannot touch his money. I told him that since she has the checkbook for the accounts, taking her off of the accounts wouldn't guarantee that she couldn't touch it. The only option would be for him to close this account and open a new account with only him on it. He decided that he wanted that, so we did it. After he leaves, I continue on my day, updating my supervisor on the situation due to how strange everything was. Well, a few hours later, Karen, who I've never met before, storms in and demands to speak with the supervisor. My boss takes her into her office, and what I was told later was that Karen was demanding I be fired because I was talking badly about her, that's a lie, and that I closed her checking account without calling her to get her consent. My manager explained to her that our policy with joint accounts is that either party on the account can close the accounts without the other party's consent. She also assured Karen that I would never talk badly about anyone, especially someone I've never met. Mind you, my boss's office is next to mine with extremely thin walls, so she would have actually been able to hear if I was talking badly about her. She ended up storming out angrily after giving me the stink eye. 
Bit of a strange one to end on there. To be honest, I kind of blame the bloke in this story. Is that deep? I don't know. Like, if you had lots of money, would you chuck it all into a joint account with your wife? Look, she's your wife fine you expect obviously when you marry someone to be with them for your life but you know divorces happen and they're quite common these days and in the event of something happening like this surely you'd want to have at least like a bit of money that you earn yourself like your pension surely should go into your account first and then you would put you know a little bit or you know a decent amount into a joint account for you for you both to use that's how i would think it would work anyway rather than just chucking everything into a joint account because then you risk this happening and you know it wasn't a great ending was it sounds like a very messy divorce to me and speaking of messy he's the goat just remember that entitled group of friends expect everyone else to split the bill for their drinking binge and then it gets worse a group of 12 of us friends decided to go out to dinner while on a golf trip we all took to scottsdale when we arrived at the restaurants they weren't ready for us yet and had us go into the bar most of us ordered soda i ordered a green tea while four of us ordered top shelf drinks a lot of top shelf drinks i mean they were downing drinks like they were water after about 20 minutes our table was ready and we asked for our bills most of you know exactly where this is going the waitress comes back with one bill and hands it to one of the drinkers who had asked for a single bill my first entitled friend looks at the bill for a moment pulls out his phone types something and then says okay everyone's share comes to 48 dollars plus tip everyone else that wasn't drinking just looked at him Yes, the four of them ran up over $550 in drinks in under 20 minutes and they expected everyone else to pay for it too. My second entitled friend said, come on, cough it up. It was just the way he said it. Yeah, no, I only ordered a green tea. I'm not paying $48 for a green tea, I replied. Just pay up forget it what was my drink like five dollars my friend who wasn't drinking was emboldened by my response yeah i only ordered a sprite i'm not paying 48 dollars either this got the others grumbling too now the tables turned on the four with the other eight of us refusing to split the tab cue the alcohol reducing the inhibitions of one of the four to bring out his true self he turned to me and says cheap ass you should be paying for everyone's drinks anyway what are you talking about You make more than the rest of us, so you should be paying for everything, for everyone, every time we go out, including this trip. That phrase, everything for everyone, every time we go out, really burned me when he said it. Why in the world would anyone think someone else should be paying for everything for everyone? Yeah, I did make a good living, but that was about it. The kicker is, one of our friends did make huge bank. Everyone knew about it, and he was even there with us. My second entitled friend, however, had his sights set on me, because there were some back jealousies he and his wife had that I won't go into. Screw you, I say to him. Having the cheapest person I know, he was, calling me a cheap ass is just absurd, and I'm not paying 48 bucks for a glass of tea. Now, most of you won't believe this part, which is fine, for it is completely unbelievable. If it didn't happen to me, I wouldn't believe it either. This entitled guy gets his wife on the phone, don't get me started on that tart, puts her on speakerphone, tells her I won't split everyone's drink bill, and she proceeds to tell me off, over speakerphone to everyone in earshots now i don't remember exactly everything that she said because it was so ridiculous and i was fuming i do remember her though parroting about how i should be paying for everything so they were obviously talking about that sentiment before 
Eventually, I dropped this little gem on her. If I wanted a bunch of people to leech off my wallet, I'd have a bunch of kids. This was before I had children, if you were curious. You two are also the cheapest people I know, followed by a few examples of just how cheap they were and how they took advantage of friends. The entitled guy's wife replied, Flibber to gibbet. Now, I don't remember exactly what she actually said, but I do remember it being more drivel and entitlement. I did eventually say, F you, which was totally called for. Don't you cuss at me. F, pause, you, I replied. Now, this is another part of the story that most people will not believe, which is fine. But anyway, this wife replied, Don't cuss at me again, or I'm going to hang up. Just imagine the mentality of someone giving this threat in this situation and thinking it would carry any weight. What? Okay, yeah, sure. Go ahead and hang up. I didn't call you. And you know what? F you. I looked at my entitled friend, threw down a few bucks on one of the tables and walked towards the waitress. I was done with that whole scene and so was everyone else. I've got no idea what further conversation went on back there, but most of the other guys came to the table shortly thereafter except the drinkers, who I'm sure were trying to figure out how to pay their bill. Now for the aftermath. Yes, we did sit at different tables for dinner. The drinkers got their own table, the rest of us another table. We didn't talk about what happened much, for I think we were all just confused by it all. We did finish our trip, although the dynamics of the foursomes changed, as well as when we got home. The drinkers then kinda hang out by themselves. After that trip, we did go on one final Vegas trip with the whole group. Best parts, my entitled friend got rolled by a pair of hookers to the tune of $700 on the first night there. They cleaned out his wallets while obviously his wallet was out of his possession. I'm sure you can figure that one out. He changed his flights and went home that night. How embarrassing. Neither that guy or his wife have spoken with anyone in our group for years. The last I heard, he cashed in every dollar of his savings and retirement to buy a bigger and better house and furnish it with everything his wife wanted. They, within a few years, had to sell that house and move in with his parents. No idea if she ever found out what really happened in Vegas. And finally, yes, I did drink that green tea. Yeah, I mean, pure and simple, that is just so rude and ignorant of these four drinkers. Look, spitting the bill is nice and all, but not when everyone is buying completely different things that cost completely different prices. That's just ludicrous. For me personally, it does annoy me when people, you know, nitpick over a bill and say, oh no, my drink was £3, yours was £3.50, my main meal was like £9, yours was a tenner. That sort of stuff does kind of annoy me. Look, I get it. You want to spend what you spend, that's completely fine. But when it's like a couple of pounds or dollars different, it does slightly annoy me because I think it's just a little bit too pedantic. But in this situation, the difference between your bill of $5 and their bill, which would have been what? 125 roughly each? Am I, am I getting that math right? I don't know what it actually was, but I think it was like 500 and something between four people. So what? $130, $135 each between them and you're just spending $5. That is not a bill you can split. That's just ridiculous. And they should have the decency to, you know, understand that. Now moving on to our second story. New delivery driver refuses to deliver food. I own a restaurant. Recently, we've had a huge uptick in delivery orders. And so I've been hiring delivery drivers for the past month. Saturday was the first day for one of these new hires. We'll call her Jen. 22, blonde, in town for college, seemingly nice girl. 6 p.m. rolls around, she shows up for her shift. She's there maybe 10 minutes when the first delivery order comes in. Steak and two veg, plus a salad and a chicken wrap. 
Food is done, gets boxed up, and put on the counter to be taken for delivery. Jen just stands there, looking at it. So the other driver, we'll call him Ron, picks it up and heads out. While Ron is out, we get another order. Four deluxe double bacon cheeseburgers, two family-sized fries, and four 2XL milkshakes. Food hits the delivery counter. And again, Jen is just sort of standing there looking at it. At this point, the GM asks her what she's waiting for. I can't deliver that. It's got meat in it. I'll pick up the next vegan meal that comes in. Mind you, a solid 80% of our menu is meat. We've got some salads, some sides, and we do serve impossible burgers as well as impossible meatloaf. But most of the time, those get ordered along with other items that do contain meats. So the GM calls me and I come up front. He explains all that I just relayed. I confirm with Jen that she refuses to touch any orders with meat in them. And then I just send her home. She won't be on the schedule again. Ron and I handle the deliveries for the rest of the night. Sorry, lady, but you can't expect to be paid to just stand by the bar for five hours a day. And just to be clear, this post isn't about bashing vegans. I'm talking about the actions of one person who happens to be vegan. The vast majority of vegans I've met are perfectly reasonable people. I even went vegan myself for like eight months, but I was bad at it or something because I kept losing too much weight. Yeah, don't worry, OP. It's pretty clear that this post has nothing to do with anti-vegan hate or any sort of stuff like that. It's just about bashing this one person in particular. I mean, seriously, you're doing a delivery job. I don't even think you have to touch the food, do you? Is it that bad if you're a vegan and you touch, you know, like a package that has meat in it? Surely not, right? You're not touching the actual meat there. You're touching the, you know, cardboard package or the bag that you're delivering. And also, like, refusing to deliver food because it contains meat is okay. But not when you're doing a delivery job that is at a place that serves 80% meat and you haven't told them that prior to working there. That's not okay. That's just completely stupid. Sorry. And now moving on to our final entitled parent story of today's episode. You can call managers to counter complain. In line at Costco Gas. The lines are nuts because gas prices are nuts and Costco gas is cheap and convenient. Everyone is on edge. The Costco gas employees have to periodically sweep the lanes and clean up spilled gas. Just like at the registers, when they close a line, they stop people from lining up in that lane. They finish the people currently in the queue and direct other customers into different lanes so they can cone off the lane and sweep. I'm pumping gas and I see this go down. A woman drives around the cones and into the lane they are sweeping like she's exempt from the process and is going to get gas. Employee guy just jogs over and tells her in a normal tone, sorry, mom, this lane is closed for the moment. Can you please pull around into a different line? She says, why? He says, this lane is closed. He then sees an empty spot not yet filled in the adjacent lane. You can go over there and points. She starts screeching. You don't have to talk to me that way. I don't appreciate it. Screech, screech, screech. A guy then gets out of the passenger seats. The employee guy is babbling and pointing and waving, pointing at cones, the empty lane, the broom. The screeching lady turns then into cursing lady and starts dropping expletives about how he can't treat me like this and effing that. Passenger guy then gives the employee the finger. The employee is looking around because he's in over his head now. The cursing lady starts with the, your manager is gonna hear about this. You just lost your job and then more screeching. They then get in the car and peel out leaving. I finish pumping and go find a place to park. I Google the store phone number and call. I hit the number to speak with the manager. 
I asked for the manager in charge of the gas station. Sorry, he's gone for the day. Can I leave a message? Um, okay, can I tell you then? Now, I just saw this whole thing go down. In a minute, you're going to get a call from a lady claiming she was just disrespected by a gas employee and complaining a storm. Let me tell you what actually happened from an objective observer because no way did this guy do anything wrong and it's going to come down to his word versus this crazy lady. Okay, thank you for the heads up. It's nice to hear he was doing the right thing. And oh, actually, your lady is on the phone with this other manager right here, it sounds like. I'll pass along your message. Thanks for calling. Guys, stand up for injustice. You know what, guys? That's a great message right there. If you ever see any entitled business going on, I want you, yeah, you watching right now, to stand up for somebody who's in that perilous position that we don't want to be in, you know, fighting against an entitled person. In this situation, yeah, if OP doesn't get in the mix and get involved and actually call the manager's office, the employee could literally be in some serious danger, right? He could he could potentially be losing his job here because in the world we live in, it tends to be that, you know, the customer is always right and all that rubbish. So if it was literally the customer's word against his, he could be theoretically in the mud. And we don't want that because he doesn't deserve to be in that mud. He deserves to be clean so well done op for helping him get clean good stuff take a lesson out of op's book jealous entitled neighbor tries to steal my package this happened very recently just a few hours ago and i'm absolutely fuming in anger and hate so bear with me for some context my family and i are immigrants my mum and siblings don't look the part but my dad does heavily now he has met this entitled lady before and has had a couple of bad conversations with her but that's a story for another time now on with this story my family are tech savvy we like to keep up with the trends and recently discovered smart home products my parents were ecstatic we've been looking into it and ordered the required products off amazon now that totaled about 15 to 20 different packages the products all arrived at different times during the week and our entitled neighbor and her kid just happened to notice the packages piling up outside on the daily on the fifth day of the week when we expected the last batch of packages around three that day i went out to collect them when i saw her walking her dog she commented on the amount of packages we'd been receiving it went something like this that's a lot of packages you've been getting yeah i'm aware well that's kind of fishy like what's even in those um it's really none of your business well it's really strange that a young man like you can even afford those i bet you're stealing money from your parents to pay for them again none of your business i grab the boxes and slam the door behind me Fast forward to today. The Amazon delivery driver leaves a couple more packages by the door and I go out to go and collect them. But then out of nowhere, our entitled neighbor runs up to our front door and attempts to take one of them. Hey, that's mine. Not anymore, young man. You've been getting too many gifts these last few days and you're making my child jealous. What are you on about? These are mine. They belong to me and I'm keeping them. I snatch it out of her hands. No, I'm taking all of these for my angels. You can't possibly be able to afford all of these. She then proceeded to smash one of the boxes. Now, fortunately, the contents were fine. There, take your stupid package now. At that moment, my dad walks out. What is going on? Your child stole my packages and smashed one of them too. What are you talking about? These are our packages. We ordered these and I saw you smashing it through the window. Well, it's not fair that you get to have all of these. My kid over there deserves something too. I don't care. You can go and buy whatever you want yourself. 
These are ours. At this moment, her nice kid gets involved. Mum, let's go. Let's not bother them anymore. <laughs> well, I'll report you and your spoiled brat to the police for harassment. My dad pointed towards the outdoor cameras as well as our video doorbell. Then we'll show all the camera footage to them and let them decide. Our entitled neighbor then leaves in anger and defeat. But not before her kid says, I'm so sorry. Look, my mum is going through a lot mentally right now. And I assure you, it won't happen again. Then left themselves. I'm still annoyed by her accusations of me and my dad. We've come from a tough past and we've worked hard for what we have. This is not the first time she's done something like this and I won't be forgiving nor accepting of her actions in the future. And there we go. That is the end of that one. Um, It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Is there anything else that we could do? Like some sort of like system we could put in place that would deter porch pirates from being a thing? Because I know it, it does happen, doesn't it? I saw Mark Rober's video. I assume you've all seen that video. If you haven't, it's an amazing video about like an invention that he made to kind of absolutely mug off porch pirates. But is there something that like, me or you could do to, to stop this happening? Because it is prevalent, isn't it? I, it's happened a couple of times even to me. So I think there should be something that we can put in place. Maybe Amazon can think of something amazing maybe i can think of something amazing or maybe you guys can comment down below i've got nothing let me know now moving on to our second story now this one might be one of the most serious i don't know delusional titles that i've ever seen entitled mum tries to force her son to take one of my epilepsy pills i was doing an intake for a new kid at the daycare i work at short interview long amount of paperwork usual bureaucratic stuff I was in a small back office where we do all our intakes. The nice kid is playing with toys in the corner and I'm talking to his entitled mum about allergies or whatever. The nice kid sneaks up behind me and pulls a zip bag out of my backpack. Now, I keep a backpack on me because I usually go right from class to work. In this backpack are baggies with extras of my epilepsy meds in case I forget to take them before I leave my apartments. The nice kid looks at me and asks very sweetly, can I have some of this candy? My eyes go wide and I snatch the bag from him. I regain my composure and very calmly say, no kiddo, this is medicine, not candy. The nice kid pretty immediately backs down, but the entitled mum loses her ever-loving mind. Well, why can't he just have one? Uh, wait, what? The mum is now getting pretty nasty in tone. Just let him have one. Mom, this is medicine, and I don't know what the side effects could be if he takes one, but he does not have the condition it treats. The entitled mum now tries to talk under her breath, but not nearly being as quiet as she thinks she's being. You greedy effer. I get up from my desk and call my co-worker into the room. What's up? She says. Oh, can you finish off this intake for me? Uh, yeah, why? The entitled mum then butts in angrily. He won't let my son have any candy and points to my bag. Now, my co-worker and I have been friends for about 15 years. She knows that those are my meds. That's not candy, mum. It's medicine. Oh, you are both being very rude. I'm going to complain to your manager. Me and my co-worker exchange looks. Um, okay. Well, her office is two doors up on the right. Go ahead. So she does. The entitled mum storms off, dragging her kid. The kid is even complaining that his mum is dragging him too fast and it hurts. The entitled mum barges into my boss's office. I don't catch the whole conversation through the door, but I do catch this. If you ever pull that rubbish with one of my employees again, CPS will hear about it. That was my boss. The mum and her kid leave about 10 minutes after. 
the entitled mum bright red looking embarrassed What gets me is that her kid backed down almost immediately That's the funniest part of this to me Hey, you gotta love it when a kid has more common sense than their own mother. Seriously, <laughs> they're going in, what, is it to a daycare? And the kid's like, oh, you can tell that he realizes, okay, that isn't candy. But the mum doesn't care. So strange. I mean, like, does she not, she, she has just heard that that is a pill for epilepsy, right? She must know what epilepsy is, I assume, surely. Does she actually want to find out what would happen if her son was to take one? Is she that stupid? Honestly, I don't understand. And now moving on to our final story of today's episode. My entitled mum ruins my hair and then laughs at it. Wow, okay. My mum wants to be a hairdresser. I have a place to go to to get my hair cut. I've gone there so many times, they know what I normally get done. And I barely have to tell them because they know today my mum kept nagging me and nagging me and I only needed a trim So against my better judgments, I agree to let her trim my hair as she was finishing up My stepdad came out and started snickering my mum then burst out laughing I stood up and pulled off the cape and went to the mirror and she had absolutely screwed my hair It was bad long in places short in others. It was just really bad I went back out and they were laughing at me and mocking me. I knew what I had to do I put on a hoodie and put my hood up and went to my normal hairdresser I got in the chair and I told him what happened and I asked if he could make me look at least semi-decent He fixed my hair as best he could and told me to come back when my hair had grown out a little Then he could fix it properly. I thanked him paid and went home I get home and my mum is yelling at me for ruining my work I told her she ruined my hair and I fixed it. She started yelling though. I'm your mother I should be allowed to cut my son's hair I snapped and said "Mum, you purposely screwed up my hair then laughed in my face about it Why do it in the first place? Were you trying to sabotage my look so I won't be able to play in the band? Look, I know you hate that i'm in my band But i'm not quitting so you can either support me on this or shut up about it And I admittedly stormed to my room. She talked to my stepdad about it and probably blew the story out of proportion. And he came into my room and started lecturing me about respecting my mum. I was still angry, so I told him, why should I respect her? She's done nothing to earn my respect. She treats me like garbage and I'm supposed to bow down? Not gonna happen. Mum then pushed past him and started to scream about how I'm such a problem child. And I answered this with five words that shut her up. I said, you decided to keep me. She opened her mouth a couple of times as if trying to figure out what to say, then just silently walked out. My stepdad asked why I said that. And I replied, I'm tired of this. She complains and screams that I'm such a problem when she's the one that decided to keep me. If she wasn't ready for a baby, even after dad left, she had options, but she still decided to keep me. She's my mum. She's supposed to be supportive, but she can't even do that for me. I'm tired of her screaming at me for just existing. Now, my stepdad didn't have a good answer, so he just left. I went to the band's practice spot by myself and played my brains out to calm myself down. Then I came home and wrote this post. I have no idea where that all came from, but I think it's just bottled up anger for her screaming at me. 
Yeah, man, that definitely comes through in this post. Not just this one isolated incident being the reason that you are so angry at the moment, understandably, but I think it's more like, yeah, as you say, your entire life, she's probably not been the best parent. That comes through, to be quite honest, in this post. And yeah, you're completely right. It was her decision to keep you. She didn't need to. And yeah, you're right about that. Ultimately, if she's not being a supportive mother, and clearly she's not laughing at her own bad hair job on you, then, uh, you know, it's, it's her fault, not yours. She shouldn't get angry at you because she can't be a, a good mother to you. That's not your fault. That is all on her. And yeah, this story, I guess, just epitomizes how your whole kind of life relationship probably has been. At least that's what I'm kind of getting from this and definitely from your last point at the end. Private businesses can still require masks even without a state mandate. Here's how that's going. I am a waitress. Our restaurant strictly requires masks while indoors if your meal or beverage hasn't been served and after it's been bust. The mask mandates honestly wasn't that helpful in corralling unruly customers because they'd either argue that the mandate was not a law so they wouldn't follow it, was unconstitutional so they wouldn't follow it, or was irrelevant because they'd eventually be taking their mask off when their food was served so they wouldn't follow us. But while the presence of a mandate didn't help much, the lack of a mandate has made things way, way worse. People who previously wore a mask now don't believe it's necessary for their health or that we have a right to set mask wearing as a store policy. But what they don't understand and what I'll reiterate for you now Private businesses can have any dress code they want. Ever go to a fancy restaurant that requires suit jackets for men? Or a grocery store that requires shoes? Yeah, where were the freedom fighters then? Anyways, regardless of your opinion on masks, no need to argue it to me in the comments or as a customer because the owner makes those calls. My job is to enforce his decisions. Whether that be all customers have to wear face masks covering mouth and nose, or if it were all customers have to wear sleeveless denim vests, I'd have to enforce it if he wanted it so. That's literally part of my job. Our in-house mask mandate at the restaurant remains firmly in place, and I spent my entire shift telling people to comply or leave then telling them again, then a third time, then getting our larger, more physically intimidating line cook to tell them. By the end of the shift, I was a master of putting my hand up authoritatively and saying, Sir, ma'am, it's your choice whether or not to wear a face covering, just as it's our choice to service you in this private business. So, comply with our dress code or exit the premises. A few people called the police, or more likely acted as though they were. But at no point did any real authorities bother coming after my shift ended i was absolutely exhausted and ready to forget anti-maskers covid truthers and just eat some banana oatmeal i hit the supermarket on the way home and the chain still require masks as i approached the door most people were maskless but stopped short of the entrance to put masks on when seeing the sign no problem. The people directly next to me, though, a mum with a classic Karen haircut and a teenage son, approximately 15, didn't. The mum actually did put a tattered, ill-fitting surgical mask on, but she wasn't even wearing it correctly. I guess still better than nothing. Her son, though, didn't break stride, just kept heading into the store. His mum flagged him down and said, Jeremy, put a mask on. It's the policy. Kind of quietly, as though she was trying not to anger him. He said, I thought we didn't have to do that BS anymore. I saw it in the news. His mum explained that businesses could still require a mask, even if the state no longer did. 
At first, I was thinking, props to Karen. Her haircut is totally misleading. But her son couldn't just let it end on a nice note. He whined that he didn't bring a mask and he didn't want to walk all the way back to the car to get one. And there wasn't Wi-Fi in the parking lot. So no way was he going to wait for her in the car. Okay, sure. But if he had a mask in the car, why would he have had to wait for her there? His mum tried to think of a rebuttal, eyeing the policy no exception sign, but seemed too tired to generate one. So she just braced herself and they headed into the store. A greeter stopped the son and said he needed a regulation face covering, but he ignored her, grunting, don't have one, and kept walking. The greeter called after him, but couldn't move from her spot by the door, and eventually he was too deep into the aisles to notice. I found all this offensive. However, I was too exhausted from dealing with guys like him professionally to take it on personally. I just went about finding the right color of bananas and trying to get back to my car as quickly as I could. Fast forward to the deli counter. I'd taken a ticket and was standing in line. Karen and her son were right nearby. Happily, several people were giving Karen's son the evil eye besides me and keeping a healthy distance from him. But he couldn't have cared less and neither really could his mum. She was placing a long elaborate deli order and he was picking up lemons in a nearby display and putting them back. He was also having a loud FaceTime conversation with a friend, expelling his air and his noisy chatter onto shoppers in every which direction. But I tried to put it out of my mind because I just didn't have the bandwidth to deal with people like this one more time tonight. And that is when it happened. He coughed, maskless, and directly on the lemons. At this point, I was getting ready to say something myself. But thankfully, a deli worker noticed and called him out, saying, Who's coughing? Looking all around and noticing the kid. Hey, son, you've got to wear a mask to be in here. Karen Jr. shrugged his shoulders, but the deli guy wasn't having it, pulling out the corporate policy sheets. So Karen Jr. looked to his mum for support. She seemed genuinely embarrassed by her son, but not so much so that she would hold him accountable for his dangerous choices. She hurriedly explained, Oh, uh, yeah, he has a mask, but he actually left it in the car and we parked in the far lots. I mean, come on, guys, that is honestly the worst excuse ever. The deli counter guy was persistent, though, saying, I don't care where he left it. It's the policy. Mask up or head out. He took a few assertive steps in the kid's direction, which I guess was too much for Karen to handle because she threw herself in between her son and the worker. At that point, there was still easily 10 plus feet of space between them. He was hardly chesting up to the kid. As Karen triumphantly declared, the store isn't allowed to have that policy anymore. Didn't you see Governor Abbott's announcement? It was never even a law anyways. That Stimmy the deli guy. My guess is because he had seen the announcement and he wasn't really sure what to make of it. He didn't want to risk his job if he really couldn't enforce a mask policy anymore and he had a line piling up at his station, so he couldn't argue with her all day. So he stepped back, but not before saying, well, either way, you shouldn't need a law. It's a paragon of selfishness what you're doing. Son, my mother is dead of this disease, dead in the ground, never got to meet her granddaughter. She wasn't too much older than your mother. You should think about that. The kid, unblinking, laughed at this guy, not chuckled, full-blown belly laugh cackling his mother pulled him away saying he was being rude but didn't make him apologize let alone apologize herself for him i placed my order 
told the guy how despicable that exchange was and apologized for his loss and that was that or so i'd hoped i prayed i'd be able to avoid them for the rest of my trip but lo and behold just as i was about to check out i realized i was out of plastic wrap i always have leftovers so i needed to go for the wrap it didn't matter how close the checkout i was i doubled back holding my breath no pun intended and sure enough the mother son super spreaders were stationed at the end cap having an argument with a clerk as best i could figure out from the bits and pieces i picked up customers were complaining about the kids coughing enough to motivate a manager to finally confront the family the manager was physically intimidating so i guessed he was the staff's go-to guy for confrontations but it became immediately apparent he didn't have a personality for conflicts his name was chet name tag and he was a human teddy bear at like six foot five and 300 pounds he had to his credit managed to get karen's cart away from her holding it to the side so they couldn't continue shopping until her son put his mask on but now chet was pleading with karen please don't yell at me i can't understand you when you're yelling karen was going off on chet about the laws he'd broken the discrimination he was enacting against her poor son how the entire store had been harassing a minor child since they entered and how the news and the corporate office would hear about this and chet would be out of a job and no one is hiring right now so he better be careful chet seemed genuinely surprised as he tried and failed to communicate to karen gentle reassurance of i'm trying to help you actually mom i don't want to harass you i want to work this out the situation at hand though is that you cannot continue to shop until your son conforms to our corporate masking policy for the well-being of the communities we serve all right help me help you meanwhile as karen was preaching well screeching the innocence of karen jr her son was actively berating her telling her she was embarrassing ineffective and that she was so stupid for wasting time arguing with these people and he wanted to just ignore them and keep shopping he was a toothpick and chet was a redwood so i don't know in what universe he thought he'd ignore the situation and continue about his business but oh well anyways at this stage i realized it was disrespectful to just be a voyeur to the spectacle i'd either have to speak up or move on with my shopping maybe this was the straw that broke my back after the day i'd had at work maybe i was just on autopilot or maybe i felt sympathy for chet probably a mix of all three but finally my mask enforcing persona roared to life luckily i was also still wearing my work clothes including name tag or this might not have worked i stormed over with my most authoritative manager of the manager swagger and said excuse me excuse me you're creating a disturbance do we have a problem here poor chep started trying to explain and remove me from the situation thinking i was a concerned customer who was upset by the disruption of their altercation or worse a third member of the karen party but i just fell right into my script which i had down cold at this point reciting sir mom you have a choice as to whether or not you'd like to wear a mask and as a private business we have a choice as to the dress code we'd like to set for our customers you have two options as to how we can proceed from here karen just kept talking over me while her son complained at her to stop engaging with us and keep shopping including this gem of a line they're literally lower than renter cops they are the can stacking people just ignore them so i went into the phase two script 
All right, you've made the choice not to partake in our services and we have in turn made the choice not to service you Please leave now or you'll be escorted out if you leave of your own volition You'll be welcomed back if dressed appropriately if escorted out a permanent ban will be issued Please note, we have a clear view of your face on our CCTV to reference as you are not currently wearing a mask. That nearly made Karen Jr.'s head explode. He started shouting obscenities at us and I just flatly stated, my colleague is contacting security. I was getting edgier as he escalated because A, I had made the assumption the store had security, but it was dawning on me that I actually had no clue whether or not they did. And B, Karen Jr. was physically larger than me. So I thought back to the stories of store workers being attacked, even killed by anti-maskers for enforcing these policies. Okay, guys, I didn't know that had actually happened. In Georgia, a supermarket worker was shot and killed by a customer after an argument over face masks. What is going on? For a minute, I wondered if I should have just kept my nose out of this business entirely. But Karen stepped up to the plate. Better late than never. She started pulling her son towards the door, insisting, I cannot be banned from here. This door is easily closest to the house. Come on, come on. He resisted at first, even intentionally pushing over the end cap display in a rage, to which Chet offered the strong words of, Hey now, was that really necessary? Oh, Chet, I feel bad for you. When he started destroying property, Karen left him to face security on his own and made a beeline for her car. After about 15 seconds more of kicking stuff around, Karen Jr. realized he was left standing on his own two feet without mummy there to shield him from real world consequences and absolutely broke down. A wave of terror washed over him and just as quickly as he'd flown into the initial rage, he bolted for the exits. Chet was so casual about all of this. He turned to me and asked, you don't work here, do you? I've never seen you before. And I explained what I'd been dealing with at work that day and how I felt obligated to step in as a result. And he sincerely thanked me, even offered me coupons, but chillingly said that while he appreciated the thought behind it, next time I shouldn't get involved. He warned that some of the anti-maskers had been wholly unstable, hitting or spitting at employees, and they did have a usual security guard, but he was out that day because of an injury an anti-masker inflicted on him at another job site. What the heck? It's only because he was out that they sent any regular store workers to confront the kid at all. He sighed and said, This is mostly what I've been doing today. I don't know if it's because I've got a calm demeanor or because I look like I don't have a calm demeanor, but either way, I'm always the one they send to deal with the crazies. I was so distracted by all of this that I didn't even end up remembering to get my plastic wrap. I just checked out and headed home as quickly as I could. So stay safe out there, everyone. Wear your mask, keep your distance, get the vaccine, watch out for one another. We'll be through to the other side of this soon. Not as soon as we could be, thanks to people like Karen and Son, but soon. And there we go, guys. Um, Although this story was actually posted four months ago, I think everything that was said in it still holds very true today. We're definitely not out of this pandemic. You don't need me to tell you that. And uh, yeah, keep following all the rules and the guidelines in your local places. Like, I'm not your dad or your mum, so, you know do whatever you want but you know but have some common sense please the thing that's actually shocks me though is that the anti-mask people actually you know being super violent 
I'm spitting and coughing on these workers is one thing, but shoot, I, people have died because of this. Anti-maskers have killed people for telling them to wear a mask. That I didn't even know that was that is unbelievable. Like honestly, at the start of this, I kind of felt bad for Chet, and I was kind of like wondering why has he been put in this kind of perilous position? He clearly doesn't have the sort of qualities to be, you know, that firm security guard. You know, kind of put his foot down when it when he needs to. But um, I think what I've realized from this is that you need someone like Chet to be in that sort of position. Someone very calm. Someone who, you know, isn't actually that strong on these people. You just kind of have to let them do what they got to do and leave. If you try and be, you know, really strong with them and kick them out like immediately and be physical, you, you, you're in danger of getting spat on, coughed on. But at worst, as we've seen, getting, you know, really physically hurt. That, wow. I honestly, I didn't actually know that had ever happened before. So um, that has shocked me. Jesus. Karen secretly films me jogging and shows video to my boss. I recently had an emergency appendectomy and recovery has been slow. I had to take time off from my own athletics, but worse, from coaching in the kids' sports program I'm involved with. The experience made me step back and realize I really built my whole identity around being active and healthy. So the hit my physical abilities took as a result of being sick and the healing process has made me feel lost. I've been working to regain the joy I used to experience from exercise without going, oh, you used to be so much faster with that, or your techniques used to be so much stronger, or you don't fit in anymore, or whatever else, and just enjoy myself regardless of the level I'm at. But ironically, the anxiety about not being able to do what I used to has made regaining those abilities difficult. It made me self-conscious about exercising in public spaces, but I was starting to finally get over it as friends convinced me the source of the concerns were all in my head. There's no way to get back to it other than training. So despite the anxiety, I started running again as soon as the doctors approved it. I went to the local track and just did a few slow laps each morning, building up speed every few days. And I've only just been authorized to add some sprints and bodyweight training into the mix. Occasionally, there were other people at the track, but I didn't really notice because I run with headphones on and try to zone out in these lighter sessions. But little did I know, my friends were actually wrong. It was not all in my head. I was being watched and more than that, I was being judged. This was my absolute catastrophe level worst nightmare at this stage of building back my strength and speed. On Friday, I was setting up for practice at the kids program and the head coach asked me into his office because a parent had a complaint. A parent I didn't know too well, Karen, was there and he said she had a specific complaint about me. The meeting almost didn't happen because of Karen's initial refusal to put on a mask, which is required in our facilities for now. But eventually, her desire to tell on me for whatever she thought she had me on overrode her freedoms to infect anyone. I was a bit nervous, as anyone is being called to meet with their boss over a complaint, but I figured it was a classic case of my kid should start more or I know my kid tried out as a midfielder, but I want him or her to switch to defense. That kind of rules don't apply to me thing. But instead, I sit down in the office and Karen is playing my boss a video of me running on the track that she filmed from afar. It's surrounded by stadium star risers. I was horrified 
both because no one is ever totally used to seeing themselves on video. Well, I'm getting there, but, but I completely agree. And because I was just embarrassed about how slow I was. But most importantly, because why was a virtual stranger, I'd met her personally maybe four times ever, filming me while I ran on my own at a private facility. She then went on to explain that her eight-year-old son, one of the players on my squad, was lapping me in the video and insisting the coaches need to hold themselves to higher athletic standards than the young players if they want to prepare them for college teams. Again, her son is eight. Apparently, her son would sometimes be running on the track while her older child was practicing on a nearby field. I never noticed. The kid is still relatively new and I don't pay much attention to the other people on the track. My boss patiently but firmly explained to Karen that my physical abilities are not the parents concern and all personnel are closely managed by the head coaches who understand each unique situation and what's appropriate and that her son wouldn't be impacted. Karen then went on to say that my being out of shape was probably connected to why I've been taking so much time off lately. Uh, well, technically, yes, it is because I was in the hospital, though, and complaining that the personnel changeover isn't good for the kids. My boss, again, reiterated that the head coaches hadn't changed or taken any time off, and that I was still one of the most skilled in the area I instruct, so this was not her concern. She asked if there was someone else she could speak to, but he explained that he was the owner and founder of this program, so no, there was not. I knew my boss was intentionally avoiding saying what had happened to me or even alluding to a health issue to protect my privacy, but I figured maybe being transparent with her would show her how ridiculous she was being and keep her tuition dollars in our program during a difficult time for sports clubs. But when I got involved and explained what actually was going on here, she just turned to the boss and said, well, maybe you should follow her until she's healed and bring on a healthy coach in the meantime, because my son needs someone out there who can keep up with him. My boss respected what I was trying to do, but made it clear we weren't going further with that strategy to avoid setting a precedent of sharing coaches' personal circumstances. Telling her why people take time off or what their health status may be is not this lady's concern because the program manages that and makes appropriate decisions. She kept kicking up a fuss, but the coach finally told her he had to get back out on the field back to her son and everyone else's kids. She started physically leaving, but continued fussing about how she was not satisfied and would not be recommending us to other parents. Pro tip, not the way to conduct yourself with the people who make recommendations to scouts concerning family culture or team interaction. The coach though wasn't preparing to leave. Instead, he stopped her in her tracks to tell her if she was found to be surveilling or otherwise harassing any staff members again, she'd be perma-banned from the program. No games or practices, no team social events, no presence in our buildings, and no clemency. So, that was pretty satisfying. Her son is a good, average kid, and I'm glad the consequences were focused on booting her out rather than limiting his opportunities to have fun playing. So then we went out and had a great, happy, safe practice. This was still a pretty upsetting event for me personally though, and I'll never unsee that discouraging video of me running, but it was ultimately reassuring to know the other staff had my back. Leaving Karen in the dust is just another step on my road to recovery. 
I mean, this story is absolutely horrible, guys. And to be honest, I can actually relate quite a lot to what OP has gone through there. Not with somebody filming you whilst exercising and you being slower than you'd like to be. That is just horrific. And I'm glad to say that that's never happened to me. But I can relate to being quite fit and then coming back from some sort of injury or, you know, health concern like you went through and then not being as fit as you once were and being very sad about it. That is for sure. I mean, those of you that know me well know that I have gone through a lot of like ankle issues in the past couple of years. And I was very fit before that. And now, um, well, the, the the pounds are piling on. Let's just say that. But we'll be back. Don't you worry about me. Um, as for this Karen, though, I hope she's never back. Uh, goodbye. See you never. And now moving on to our second story of today's episode. Entitled family doesn't want dogs at their picnic at the dog beach. In British Columbia, we're just getting through a heat wave with temperatures up to 40 degrees Celsius in Vancouver. Wow. Naturally, we all want to get out and cool off at the river or ocean. At my favorite creek spot for the dog, and one of the few off-leash areas where there's a nice, wide, and deep swimming spot, a family of four without a dog came and set up a picnic and play area for their kids, using most of the shaded space on this side of the creek. They have slightly distanced themselves from the main group of humans and dogs in the hot sun. Since I didn't feel like roasting on the sunny side, I tried to put myself over where I wasn't disturbing them, and the dog wouldn't bother their picnic. After about five minutes of the dog fetching his ball and bringing it back to me, I can see them eyeing me up. And finally, the dad approaches me. Excuse me, but were you planning on being here a while? We came over here to get away from the dogs. Uh, yes, we come here most days to get away from the sun and cool off. We usually swim and throw the ball for half an hour. Well, we were here first. And as I said, we were hoping to avoid being around dogs with our kids and food. Well, I'm very sorry, but in case you weren't aware, this is the only off-leash swimming spot locally. And if you go 15 minutes down the river trail, there's actually a no-dogs beach with lots of shade. The entitled dad then repeats himself, slightly more aggressively. Sir, you and your family are taking up all of the shaded bank of the creek and have spread yourselves out in the middle of a dog park. I'm not sure what you'd like me to do as I have every right to use this area as well. And we have the right to not be bothered by you and your dog while we're trying to spend family time together. Maybe you should find another place to swim. At this point, I'm hot. It's 35 degrees out and this guy is acting like he owns the beach. I snap and tell him that I will be using this end of the beach and if they aren't comfortable around dogs, they should move to the non-dog friendly beach down the trail. I turn and take a few steps away to make it clear the exchange is over and I call my dog to me. Now, he's a good Labrador and very friendly, so he doesn't understand when he's not wanted. But the last part made me laugh. After being glared at for the better part of an hour while the dog swims and plays with others and I read my book, I decide to move on and have to go by them to get to the trail. So I throw one last ball in the creek and after fetching it, the dog trots by them, pausing to shake all over their chairs and phones. The entitled mum started spluttering and I just look at her and tell her that there is a non-dog friendly beach just 50 minutes down the trail with a smile. Look, to be honest, guys, I do kind of get where this entitled dad is coming from. If you're at the beach with your young family and, you know, you're surrounded by dogs, it's not ideal, is it? And you probably wouldn't exactly want that in an ideal world. You probably just want to be able to chill and not worry about dogs, you know, running into your kids or that sort of stuff. But the moment that he starts acting as if he owns the beach and literally telling you to go away 
when you've explicitly said and made it clear that this is like one of the only places that you can enjoy being with your dog and, and have a dog off the leash and that there are other beaches available around the nearby area that you can go to where dogs are not allowed to be off leash that's where you know that's where all my affiliation with him and my support for him stop immediately getting revenge on an entitled mother at laser zone when my kids were little we used to tire them out on christmas eve by being really busy all day until bedtime we barely sat down from breakfast to bedtime one year we went to a laser arena it was quiet with it being christmas eve and there were us a family of four and another family of four and a woman the entitled mum of this story and her kid the entitled kid all the kids were around 10 or 11 years old the game started and we the adults too went off into the arena at the end of the first game the entitled kid went off on one because he was at the bottom of the table with more deaths than kills a negative kd is not what you want at laser quest that's for sure the adults were deliberately being bad at the game ignoring the fact that the world's least stealthy kids were creeping up behind them loudly and giggling to each other the entitled mum however was bulldozing her way ahead by shooting everyone in sight so that her kid would not get shot now the problem was that once she'd shot us so that we could not shoot her entitled kid our packs turned off so the entitled kids shot on our packs did not register the entitled mum was pretty much scooping up all of her son's potential targets and was pretty near the top of the board second or third if memory serves correctly by game three she was getting angry which prompted the kids and the childish adults me included to keep shooting her but rather than her returning to base to respawn she used herself as cover so that her entitled kid could shoot from behind her this was against the rules and one of my sons pointed it out but she said tough and let her entitled kid shoot from behind her at the end of the game she was crowing to the kids and adults under her entitled kid on the leaderboard how great her son was and how he was going to win any mention of cheating got hand waved away with losers whine about rules game four we all decided independently on a truce and an entitled kid hunt by the end of the game he was back at the bottom with his entitled mum we covered all the exits from the spawn points outside the no-go zone to comply with the spawn point camping rules the only deaths in the entire game were the entitled mum and her entitled kid and the rest of us had all the kills by the end of the game she was raging at everyone for cheating but the marshal insisted that we were playing within the rules unlike her using herself as a human shield we carried on for a couple more games while she was shouting at the staff for a refund i do like the season of goodwill nothing like the christmas spirit to bring out cooperation between strangers honestly guys this story takes me back to, to a lovely place in my life i remember when i was a bit younger like every second birthday party that people would have well it would either be laser quest laser tag whatever you want to call it paintballing or go-karting those were like the three go-to's that everyone seemed to have and they were also fun for me laser quest is up there you know elite it's an elite thing to do so much fun unfortunately it was kind of ruined but you know that's happened to me before honestly you play with people that take it way too seriously and in the end you're all like you know what screw these guys let's just gang up on them and absolutely destroy them that's what we did there op and it was unbelievable to see well done seriously though guys if you're ever like thinking oh what am i gonna do for my birthday doesn't matter how old you are go and play laser tag it's so fun now moving on to our next story of today's episode total strangers try to force us to babysit on a camping trip 
This is mostly a rant over some garbage parents I met this weekend. My friend Lindsay and I went on a weekend camping trip organized by a longtime friend, Greg. Greg also invited the garbage parents who brought their very sweet six-year-old daughter and four-year-old son. There were eight adults in total. We were all in our 30s and their two children. Now, the garbage parents didn't ask if it was okay to bring their kids. They just showed up with them. The garbage parents made a bad impression right from the start when it soon became apparent that they showed up to this three-day camping trip with literally no food or water. Greg even told them they needed to bring food and water. They saw us grab water bottles out of our cooler and asked if they can each have a bottle of water. Now, I said yes because it's Arizona and you don't deny people water here because the heat is dangerous. But they proceeded to go into our cooler for the rest of the trip and get water bottles without asking. We almost ran out of water and we're down to one bottle on the last day, which they took. They mooched snacks and meals off of everyone the whole trip and didn't even offer to throw in money. It was so awkward. Their kids were very sweet, but wanted to hang out with me and Lindsay the whole time, which we did not welcome. We never invited them into our tents. We'd be smoking a joint in our tents and the kids would just unzip our tent and start coming in and asking us for food. One of us would say, no, sorry, you need to go and find your mum and dad. You aren't allowed in here rinse and repeat i figured it was just little kids being little kids until i saw the girl walk up to her mum wanting attention and food and the garbage mum told her to go play with the ladies in their tent they'll make you some lunch like what the f i was fuming we don't even know these people at all so i confronted the garbage mum i said hi i think there's a misunderstanding here my friend and i are not gonna babysit your kids for you this weekend we're here to relax please stop sending your kids to our tent and please stop sending your kids to us when they need food that is not our responsibility okay now i said all this right at the campfire where the whole group was sitting and everyone heard There was a pretty awkward silence and the garbage mum just said, okay, sorry. 30 minutes later, Lindsay hears the garbage mum sending her kids off to our other friends who took my lead and had the same conversation with her. The garbage dad, by the way, spent the whole time just drinking and completely ignoring his family. Our friend Greg was so regretful and embarrassed. I guess he worked with the garbage dad and had absolutely no idea that they were trashy moochers. They seemed stupid, rude and so entitled the kind of people who shouldn't have children those poor kids ah end of rants oh well i absolutely love a good rant and that was definitely up there to be fair to greg it's not really his fault i mean i know he's invited this guy and his family well this guy and his wife not the family let's make that completely clear bringing your kids along to an adult only event that is very strange but i mean to be fair to greg there's only so much you can know about a person just from working alongside them and ultimately he's a completely different guy outside of work and you can't really you know predict that but on the other hand the things that they were doing my days i mean they must have known you were smoking in your tent it's you probably smell it and it's probably quite obvious don't send your kid it's so irresponsible and it sounds harsh what op said at the end there but i do completely agree these are not the sort of people that should be allowed to have kids i'm sorry to say it but i do agree if you agree with me comment down below if you think i'm being too harsh me and op both of us then also comment but um ultimately yeah 
This shouldn't be allowed. And now moving on to our final story of today's episode. Entitled mum doesn't want me shopping in the boys section of the store. This story happened a few days ago and I still can't believe it happened. For context, I, a 14-year-old female, have been a tomboy since I was nine. I'm a weird tomboy, you could say. I hate dresses, but I'm fine with skirts and I never wear nice pants only leggings or sweatpants hair and makeup isn't something i avoid doing but it's not something i do daily however when the time comes to get fancy for a date usually with friends because i'm not getting a boyfriend or girlfriend anytime soon with my weirdness i can get pretty excited and turn into a girly girl my interests are where i'm mostly categorized as a tomboy Pokemon, Danganronpa, Minecraft, lots of gory and bloody animes, and just other boy interests. I should also mention I have no desire to be a boy whatever. I'm fine with being a girl. However, when I go clothes shopping, I always make a beeline for the men's section. Girls and boys doesn't fit me, and women's juniors isn't my style, so I find most of my clothes in the men's. So then, on to the story. I'm in Walmart with my mum, and she gives me the okay to go walk around the store while she grocery shops, as long as I have my phone notifications turned on, so she can call or text me when she's ready to go. I have my headphones in and my purse slung over my body. I'm listening to my music and looking at the graphic tees with band logos, anime characters, and video games on them. In walks our entitled mum. The entitled mum is looking around for shirts and mentions something about not knowing what size her son was. I'm minding my own business. Now, she wasn't really paying attention to me until she saw me holding shirts up to my own body, making it clear I was shopping for myself and not a male friend or relative. She walks over with her buggy in shock. Excuse me, miss. She put emphasis on any female term. You know that this is the men's section, right? The women's section is over there. She then points in the opposite direction. I know, I just don't like shopping there because it's not my style, I reply. Oh, so you are shopping for yourself? Um, you're a girl, so you need to wear girls' clothes. She's getting closer and grabs the shirt I was holding putting it back down on the rack. I love that this entitled mum, by the way, has just told this girl that she is in fact a girl. Like, yes, that was obvious. Thank you. I just stare at her, dumbfounded at her audacity. She then gestures for me to leave. I pick the shirt back up, tuck it under my arm, and walk to the other side of the display, still looking. Miss, you need to buy girls' clothes. You're a pretty girl, and you won't get a boyfriend dressing like that. She points to my baggy shorts that fall midway on my thigh and my Hero Academia shirt that has Deku on it. Now, I'm visibly annoyed at this point. Lady, you aren't my mum, so stop. And even if you weren't my mum, I wouldn't let you dictate my clothes. I've been dressing like this since I was nine. Leave me alone. She then mutters, I would never let my daughter dress like a F word. I have to restrain myself from beating the absolute everything out of her as I'm bisexual and my dress habits have nothing to do with it. I let her walk away and I put down the shirt I was holding. I changed my mind on it and walk over to look at video games. I ended up getting nail polish, a Tamra plushie and some polymer clay. I always knew Karens like this were around, but I never thought that I would run into one. Now, the story doesn't have a slam dunk ending as I just walked away and continued shopping. 
However, my friends got a good laugh out of the story. And there we go. A nice simple story to end off today's episode. Just uh, another annoying Karen getting her nose in people's business that just isn't anything to do with her. Pretty standard really, but um, it's to be expected on this subreddit, isn't it? It is like absolutely bemusing though. I could never understand how some random person could just go up to a total stranger in a shop that obviously they've got nothing to do with them, never met them before, and just completely say, yeah, what you're doing is completely wrong. This is disgraceful. You're a girl. Could, could, could you ever do that, guys? I mean, if you could, fair play to you. I, I almost half respect you for it. I definitely couldn't. It's very weird. Um, I don't really know what to say any more than that. I mean, I don't think I've ever met anyone that has done that, to be honest. It's just like, it's just ultimately, it's very baffling. Keep yourself to yourself. Why interfere? If you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's famous words, isn't it? Nice one. I made up a bloody and gory story to get an entitled mother and her child to leave me alone about my skin condition. Backstory. For the last few years, I, a 29-year-old man, have been developing vitiligo all over my body, which has become very noticeable on my hands. For those that don't know, vitiligo is a skin condition in which white blood cells attack the melanin, the pigment in your skin, causing the loss of skin color. I have naturally tanned skin that has resulted in white patches to form all over my hands that are very noticeable. My family, mostly my brother and dad, have mocked me for this skin condition on multiple occasions. As a result, I've become self-conscious of my white spots and I've started to wear tattoo concealer to cover them up. The other day, I was heading out to work and forgot to put on the concealer. One of the places that I go to is my local coffee shop before heading into work. As I was in line, a kid, probably around nine or 10, came up to me and proceeded to say, ooh, what is wrong with your hands? Now, I ignored them at first because I found it rude. While they were a child, I was always raised from a young age by my mum to never stare, point, or criticize people's conditions, especially since we never know how they may have gotten them. After ignoring them, they then asked me again, what is wrong with my hands? I relented and told them that I was uncomfortable talking about it and to please not ask me again, and I proceeded to turn back around. Now, I know that I could have used this as an education moment, but I don't feel it's my responsibility to educate others on how to be decent human beings or about my skin condition. The kid did not like my response, and it was at this point the child's mother got involved. Dear reader, let me tell you what. I've always thought that these stories of entitled parents and rude people were exaggerated and that no one could be this oblivious. But after this interaction, my opinion of these stories has changed. She got my attention with that dreaded excuse me phrase and I knew I was in for a ride. The interaction went as follows. My child asked you what was wrong with your hands. The least you could do is tell them what happened. Mom, I'm not comfortable talking about it. I do not need to tell your child anything. Well, why not? If you don't want people to ask about your deformity, then you should wear a glove. Now, I'll ask again, what is wrong with your hand? Guys, it was at this point that I saw red. However, keeping my emotions in check, I calmly said, I was in a terrible accident in which my hand was mangled. It was mangled so badly that I almost lost my hand altogether. Each white spot that you can see is a scar from where bone, blood, muscle, tendons, etc., were on the outside of my hand. I lost lots of blood and almost died from the accident. I was lucky enough that my hand was saved, but it left me with these scars. Now, while this was all obviously fabricated on the spots, I felt that being as graphic as I could would maybe teach her and her spawn a lesson in leaving people alone, especially after they already told you that they did not feel comfortable talking about it in the first place. She honestly clutched her imaginary pearls as I was accounting the story, and by the time I was done, she was white in the face. 
She then grabbed her child and left the line quickly. Yeah, perfect story. Loved every second of it. And you're right. You have no obligation to educate this child. Look, normally you would say the right thing to do or the nice thing to do in that situation is say, don't worry, and then tell them what's going on and explain what vitiligo is. But this child is so impolite that they don't deserve that. I'm sorry, you're right. Oh, and also your dad and brother who have made jokes about your skin condition in the past, they should be ashamed. That is disgraceful from your own family. Entitled mum thinks I owe her 10,000 pounds of compensation because her son grew up to be a thug just like I said he would. Apologies, but this one's long as there are some context to get out of the way. Do not apologize. I love a long entitled parent story. Years ago, my cousin, Lucy, and I had a strained relationship because she let her son, Damien, do anything he wanted, never punished him, and brushed away anything he ever did as boys will be boys or he's just a kid. It came to a breaking point between us when Lucy and Damien were visiting years ago. Damien was 12 at the time and my daughter Maggie was 9. Maggie was sitting happily playing her Xbox in her bedroom upstairs. While Lucy and I were talking, Damien got bored and wandered off. A few minutes later, and I hear screaming and crying, I rush up to Maggie's room to find her on the floor, blood all over her face, while Damien is just casually playing the Xbox. It turns out he came up and demanded a turn on the Xbox. Maggie said, sure, just let me finish the level. So he snatched the controller from her hand and smashed her around the face with it, then shoved her out of the way. I rushed her to the hospital. Luckily, it looked worse than it was, and there was no lasting damage. And I live in the UK, so no medical bills. But I was furious. I told Lucy what Damien did, and she shrugged and said, you know how boys are with their video games. She should have just let him play. I told her in no uncertain terms that she and her son were not allowed anywhere near me or my family again. We got into a huge fight over this, where she of course tried to absolve her little angel of anything. So I lost it and told her if she didn't discipline him and teach him boundaries, she would end up raising a monster who would grow up to be a thug or worse, which infuriated her. This caused the fallout with the family for years largely because Lucy lied and told everyone her son and Maggie had just been play fighting and that's how she got hurt. It was just an accident and I was overreacting. After a few years, everyone forgot. I still forbade Lucy or her hellspawn from coming anywhere near me. Several other family members did the same. I can't imagine why. Fast forward to a little before the pandemic. Damien was 19. Just like I predicted, he soon learned that thanks to his mother, he was bulletproof as she would never believe he did anything wrong. So his behavior got worse and worse to the point that he was kicked out of every school in the area and had to go to special school. I got a call from Frank, Lucy's brother, telling me Lucy had been rushed to hospital, that he knows we don't talk, but Lucy was seriously hurt and he wanted to let me know. Despite our history, I went to visit her, accompanied by Frank and his wife. Before this, we'd been really close and I was upset to hear she was hurt. When I got there, I was shocked by what I saw. She was really banged up, her face swollen, bruises all up her arms. It turned out Damien had done this. She was really struggling for money and he refused to get a job. So she finally tried to lay down the law and tell him to get a job or she was throwing him out. And then he attacked her, almost dislocating her jaw it was horrific. Now, we had a history, but at this point, none of that mattered. I was worried and sad for her. I immediately asked her if she needed help with anything. She seemed surprised, but we ended up all having a really heartwarming chat with her saying how much it meant to her that I came to see her. I thought maybe we were turning a corner and could repair our relationship. We'd been really close as kids, 
oh how wrong i was a few weeks later i started getting blasted on social media and getting nasty messages and texts telling me what an awful person i was and how could i do what i did to lucy i was confused i hadn't done anything i called frank he had no idea either but said he'd look into it it turns out that lucia told everyone i'd come to the hospital and mocked her gloating i told you so while she bawled her eyes out i confronted lucia about it asking her how she could lie like that she hit back that this was all my fault and it's what i deserved if i knew this was going to happen why didn't i do more to help her she then demanded i pay at least ten thousand pounds for damages i caused like what she lied to everyone because she couldn't stand that i'd been right and decided to punish me for it for months i endured hateful messages from family members who believed her lies not all my family believed her of course and frank and his wife cleared things up about what really happened he managed to record lucy admitting that she lied which got most off my back but there were still a few relatives who had it in their heads that there's no smoke without fire and i must have done something to make her say what she did but they're all distant relatives on her side so who cares then the pandemic rolled around everyone forgot the petty squabbles lucy and her lies caused but last month we held a family gathering at my parents the first in years due to the pandemic lucy showed up thankfully damien was absent on account of serving a prison sentence for aggravated assault and battery that's unrelated by the way to what he did to his mother i went to ask lucy how she was doing the first words out of her mouth were you need to pay me what you owe me if you don't i'm taking you to court i need that money it's the least you can do for ruining my life she followed me around the party demanding i pay her telling everyone who would listen that i'd ruined her life my what a happy family reunion all right look for a while there guys i honestly felt terrible for lucy it's not the best parenting method to give everything to your children but some people are like that some parents are like that they're not very strict they kind of let things fly and nobody ever deserves to be assaulted especially not by their own child to such an extent that they go into hospital but the more this story progressed and continued the more i've got i've got to say i just don't really even have much sympathy anymore you're the one that's brought this on yourself in the first place but the fact that after this event happened you're blaming other people and not your own child at that point it's just helpless what are you doing like everyone's there on your side ready to help you but no you make up bs lies about you know your own relatives and just make people hate you even more at that point it's your own fault i'm sorry a pair of entitled parents hold up the line at starbucks so their entire 30 plus person family can order drinks before anybody else hey everyone i think for the first time i can really say i have an entitled parent story i've had i don't work here stories but this is a genuine bona fide encounter with an entitled parent for the first time in a long time first context i'm a 40 year old white disabled man I use either a manual wheelchair or a store's courtesy mobility aids to move about a store. This takes place in a Starbucks inside a local chain of stores called Fred Mayer. They're part of Kroger, but maintain the Fred Mayer name. This occurred in Vancouver, Washington. Okay, so the story. About two weeks ago, I went in on a blisteringly hot day to get my frappe, then to get some much needed shopping done. If you enter the north side entrance of this Fred Mayer, 117th store in Vancouver, Washington, the Starbucks is right there. I move my cart around to get in line. 
Presently, two women I wager were Pan-Pacific Asian were at the head of the line. Behind them, an older white male somewhere in his 60s leaning against the cart with stuff in it. Man, that dude looked annoyed about something. Now, I hadn't been in line two minutes when the man cursed something under his breath and shook his head. I figured he's lost my gain, right? Oh, I'd be so wrong. I got behind the two Asian women and waited to be served. One of the attendants, someone I considered a very good friend behind the counter, moves over and discreetly whispers to me, dude, you're gonna be waiting a while. Brace yourself. I had no idea what they meant. I would soon enough. That's when a gaggle of about five young boys around nine to 13 years old came over. They led them to the ordering station and they ordered. Then they went to the presentation counter. I started to inch forward, but woman two holds her hand outstretched in the universal wait right there or stop right there gesture. Oh, we're not done. Wait, she said firmly. I was confused. A minute later, from that north side entrance, another 10 or so teenagers and young adults walk in. The women hold me back as one by one, every teen and young adult was shown to the ordering station, cutting ahead of me and more people that had gathered behind me. I could hear these people behind me reacting in ways as understandable as saying, oh, for frick's sake, to things that would probably get me banned, even if quoted in context i.e. racism. Just when I thought the horror was over and now realized why the old man has stormed off, a third gaggle of now full adults came in. The two women showed them to the front of the line. The people behind me were about to give these women a piece of their mind. My friend behind the counter said they'd been at this for nearly an hour. It wasn't just their family, but their entire church too. The entire church? I stage whispered to my friend they sadly nodded and went back to work. At this point, I decided I'd be better off just taking my money, buying the ingredients and making my own frappes at home. So I tap out of the line, fearing someone was going to get violence. No epic conclusion, no fight, no witty banter, just me having to sulk and go home and make my own drinks. I mean, listen guys, don't get me wrong. This is obviously not the worst thing to ever happen on this subreddit, but it is pretty obnoxious, isn't it? I don't really get what the point of this was because it was also so easily avoided. Why not just order all the drinks? You pay for them yourself. Then it takes them a long time to make them. I get that and ordering a lot of drinks is annoying, but you're entitled to order loads of drinks at once. Then have everyone come and pick them up after you've ordered. The problem comes when you have an entire queue already behind you and you're holding them up and letting other people come in not just one or two people, but what, 20, 30 people? You can't do that, obviously. That's where it becomes too far. Other than that, not the worst thing, but very annoying if you're in that queue. Stepmom doesn't give her work contact info to my school and they can't get a hold of her after I got hit by a truck after missing the school bus. I've watched a lot of Reddit stories on YouTube and there was a story that reminded me of something that happened to me when I was younger. I am legally blind from birth. And when I was in high school in 1994-95, I used to ride a school bus even though I lived close enough to walk to school. One day, I woke up late, just as the bus had honked and drove away. I didn't want to be late, so I quickly got dressed and booked it to try and get to school. I got to an intersection where I crossed safely going eastbound, and then I almost got across the other street when the light was green. But as I approached the corner, a guy from Wyoming had been flying around that corner at a high rate of speed, and he hit my right side. As he did this, my body twisted and I faced him as the grill of his truck hit my front side and I fell back and landed on my back, 
rolling to my left. The guy stopped and got out of his truck and asked me if I was okay. And he dragged me by my right shoulder up over the curb onto the sidewalk and waited until the emergency vehicles came screaming down the street. Then he bolted. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the last two letters of the plate, so they couldn't find the guy. Luckily, someone in my neighborhood had passed by and saw it happen and stopped as well, but they were also unable to get the plate number but they were the ones who took me to school after the paramedics checked me out. I was afraid I was gonna be in trouble with my dad and stepmom because in the past, if they'd gotten any medical bills, they would always complain about how much they cost. I was very stiff, but I was trying to walk off the pain because I was always taught to walk off the pain when I got hurt as a kid. So I tried to hide any pain and act like I was okay. When I got to school, I went to my first class of the day and my drama teacher noticed that something was wrong. Because of what I told her, she had me wait right where I was and had the principal come to the drama room. She explained what happened and he and the school cop, after trying to contact my dad and stepmom at work and having no luck, drove back to my dad and stepmom's house. I went to bed and later, after they got home, my dad got a call from my grandpa. The thing I didn't know is that after I was dropped off at home, the school got a hold of my grandpa while he was in the hospital across the state because he got hurt after falling while helping my aunt work on her car on the ice. They let him know that I was hit and my grandpa informed my dad that I was hit. My dad came down to my room and proceeded to chew me out for getting hit while I didn't know his or my stepmom's work numbers. They took me to the local hospital and they checked me out and acted like it was no big deal and sent me on my way. Something that you need to know is that I hadn't lived with my dad and stepmom my entire life. I lived with my grandparents for quite a few years and only just a few years with my dad and stepmom. Ever since my dad and stepmom got married, my stepmom has always referred to me and my siblings as my dad's kids. The reason I learned later on why the school didn't have my stepmom's work number is because her work had a perfect attendance award. And if she'd have left work to help me that day, it would have interrupted that and she would not have received that award. I believe that no company should hold a perfect attendance award over someone else's head in the way they did if my stepmom's company did. She worked closer to home and to my school than where my dad did, and he got a public transit bus to work, so he couldn't come to me on a whim like my stepmom could have. By all means, my grandpa was fuming. He read my dad a new one and my stepmom for not providing her work info. The only number they ever gave my school was the home phone. Oh my God, that is just a terrible situation. I mean, if I was in an accident, I can guarantee you the first people that would be there, or at least the people that would be there as quickly as they humanly could would be my parents. And I'm 24. Like, come on, that's just a thing. I mean, it's, you don't even have to love your kids to do that. It's just like a, a biological thing that you would do. I mean, I don't know about you lot. Comment down below. Would your parents do the same? I assume the majority of them would. If you were in a serious accident, even if you don't even get on with them, they'd still come and see you as, as soon as they could, couldn't they? Now, I kind of get what you're saying, OP, about this participation award, perfect participation award, but there's nothing actually stopping your mum from leaving her work. Like, you can put the blame on the company for having something like this in place, but there's nothing to stop your mum from saying, oh, I don't want this award. I'm going to go and see my child has been hit by a truck. Like, that's her decision. Stepmum, sorry. But still, weird. Also, the fact that she's saying that you're not her kids, that you're dad's kids, it's just not really a nice thing, is it? Like, I know technically they're not, but you're meant to be a family now and she's clearly not that into it. He doesn't know any better. My parents, my dad is 54 and mum is 52, are angry with me for not ignoring my older brother's predatory behavior. Just a little context first about my older brother and the situation at hand. My brother is 32 years old. He's never had a job, dropped out of community college after two semesters for never doing his assignments. He's lived with my parents his entire life. 
He sleeps all day and stays up all night playing video games and watching corn. Both my brother and I, I am a 27 year old man, are diagnosed autistic and present our symptoms similarly. But I've been working since I was 17, got my driver's license at 17, bought my first car at 24 and started college in 2019. My parents constantly use my brother's autism as an excuse for his appalling behavior, even though we're both on the spectrum. In November of 2020, I moved back in with my parents because I left an abusive relationship and had chronic health issues. I met my current girlfriend, who was 23, in mid-2021, and in early 2022, she had some extenuating circumstances where my family agreed to let her live with us. My brother was immediately pleased with this development, but just as quickly behaved inappropriately. It started off with him creepily staring anytime my girlfriend and I kissed and progressed to him following my girlfriend into the bathroom anytime he saw her go in there for a shower until he figured out she always locked the door because of him. And the straw that broke the camel's back was him trying to come into our bedroom uninvited and without knocking at three in the morning while we slept. Every time he behaved inappropriately, we mentioned it to my parents. But all that really happened were excuses made for him because he's autistic and a brief conversation with him about not doing those things things again and then him still doing whatever he wanted anyway after the bedroom incidents they kicked my girlfriend out making her homeless for a brief period of time because she had a ptsd panic attack since my brother made her feel unsafe as a result of this my girlfriend and i got an apartment together and i moved out too because i didn't want to be in the same house as my brother i was upset with the way my girlfriend was treated and i wasn't willing to break up with her which my parents wanted me to do i had a calm conversation with my parents explaining why i was moving out where i explained it's their house so they are more than entitled to make the rules concerning their own home however i was not going to continue living somewhere that my girlfriend wasn't welcome and where my brother's predatory behavior was condoned at first they told me they love me that they're sorry they ever made me feel that way and they want me to keep a key to the house because i'm always welcome over and that if i ever needed to move back in i could several days later i went over to pick up some more of my things only to find that my parents had changed the locks on the door later that same week they turned with their anger of me for being ungrateful saying i hate them and calling them bad parents none of which I ever said. They went on to tell me that they didn't want to speak to me for a week because they were upset, needed time to process, and because they thought I needed to feel what it was like to be cut out of the family. I respected their wishes and later my parents agreed to family therapy, which they quickly backed out of because they were only willing to do it over a three-way video call and my therapist's website wasn't able to do that. I'm not sure why, but my therapist said it wasn't doable. At which point, I told my parents I would be willing to attend family therapy with a therapist of their choice who could do the three-way video call, but that's yet to happen. That same Sunday, my parents invited me over for dinner, which I thought went well, only to find they would continue to dodge my calls and leave my texts on red after that night. They eventually contacted me and told me to stop using their house as storage and pick up my things despite requesting that I stay away for a week. So my girlfriend and I go over to pick up the rest of our stuff, which was awkward, but quick. Later that day, I got a text from my mum wishing me luck at college, but my parents still aren't willing to talk about the issues that led to me moving out or even to come over to see our new apartment after being invited over because despite the circumstances, I still love them and want a relationship with them since this type of behavior is highly uncharacteristic of them. Understandably, my girlfriend isn't fond of them, but told me she doesn't mind me inviting my parents over because it's important to her that I have a relationship with them for the sake of my mental well-being. Has anyone else ever dealt with a situation similar to this? If so, how did you deal with it? 
Now guys, I'm not sure what's weirder. The fact that your brother thinks he can get away with doing all this or the fact that your parents let him. It's just very, very strange. This on top of the fact that your parents kicked your girlfriend out of their house because she had PTSD because of your brother. Yeah, your family's very odd is all I can say. I mean, it's easy for me to say as someone who hasn't dealt with any of this or anything remotely close to this, but I would honestly recommend cutting your losses, starting your own family, going to be with your girlfriend and just kind of forgetting your family exists. You can still love them, but from afar, they're mental. Entitled mum chastised my four-year-old for snacking. I had my kiddo at the park after picking her up from daycare. I usually have her there from about 10 past 5 to 6.30ish when we head home for dinner, bath, bedtime routine. I always bring a snack because she's absolutely starving by then. But we find if she eats dinner too early, she gets hungry again at bedtime. So she has a snack at the park, then a late dinner. It works for us and it's never been a problem until tonight so i'm sitting on a bench minding my own kiddo is running amok few other kids are there but it's usually pretty scarce at this hour my kiddo comes over asking for a snack and i take out a little bento box with a couple of cucumbers and carrot sticks dip and a strawberry literally one fat little strawberry kiddo takes the snacks and sits down on the ground this other kid about her age was lurking and staring as little kids do then took off to his mum sitting on another bench nearby. I didn't hear him, but obviously it went along the lines of, Mom, I'm hungry, and then turns and points to us. This woman gets up and while marching over, yells no, while pointing to my kid in a ruder tone of voice than I would use with my actual dog. My kid, sitting there with a half-eaten strawberry in her hands, looks over and freezes as commanded. And as I'm about to be like, what the F? The entire mum says, You cannot bring snacks unless you plan to share as she stops and stands in front of us. I start telling her, pretty politely considering the circumstances, to go ahead and get screwed while motioning to kiddo that she's okay to keep eating. Kiddo does and as she slowly dips the strawberry back in the veggie dip while watching the entire mum argue with me, And this grown-ass woman just loses her mind completely. Borderline yelling at my kid about her horrible manners, ironically. Her germs, double dipping her strawberry was disgusting. Now her kid can't have any strawberries or dip. Spoiler, they weren't regardless, etc. I told the entitled mum to get lost and stop talking to my kid like that. It's her snack. But I ended up having to pack up my kid and take her home because she was obviously insane and I didn't feel safe there. It turns out kiddo is a champ and was totally fine with being yelled at by a crazy entitled mum But she was not very okay with having to leave Clearly an epic meltdown ensued while the entitled mum smugly stared me down and believe it or not continued to complain I'm so angry and I wanted so badly to stab a carrot in her eye But alas one of us had to be an adult. I hate that right now. I feel like we can never go to that park again I'm so angry. Nah, you can't let one woman stop you enjoying the park with your kid. If she comes over again and does the same thing again, just call the police or something. It's harassment, isn't it? I know it's a bit of a fast step to take, but you want to be there and you want to be able to enjoy the time with your kid at a park. One woman can't ruin that for you. Don't let her. You'll be okay. And as for double dipping a strawberry, by the way, I've looked at the rules. There is nothing to say that you can't do that and something I would do myself. So that is just ludicrous. Parents who co-signed on first home don't want to sell. Pretty much self-explanatory. In 2018, my parents helped co-sign for a mortgage and ownership of a home and also helped out with the down payments. My fiance and I at the time were extremely grateful and still are. 
We're now married and my parents are the reason we were able to obtain a home in this crazy market. They mentioned many times that if we ever wanted to sell the home, they'd be more than happy to help us relocate and that the down payment was a gift. All parents who are capable of helping their children in this way should do the same. Four years go by and now my wife, who is 31, and myself, 26, are looking to relocate cross-country with our 18-month-old son to find a more sustainable way of living. We've paid every mortgage payment and all other bills associated with the home. My wife is a skilled PL and I recently obtained professional engineering status. So finding new work should not be an issue. Since my parents co-signed at 0.05% each, I own 99.9%, they are required to sign documents to list the home, of which they are both refusing to do so. They feel that we are going to cash out from the appreciation of our home and simply squander it all. I don't understand where they're getting this from, as my wife and I have always been very frugal and just want to set our son up for success in the long run. We're looking to sell and immediately purchase a new home, hopefully with a lower mortgage, as well as give them back their down payment with interest. Am I being a spoiled son? And should I just let this dream of moving cross-country go? Or should I fight for this? Truthfully, I never asked for help with the mortgage. My wife and I were looking for homes within our budget, but my parents wanted us to have a nicer home. I graciously accepted the offer, but now I'm feeling like a fool as I didn't know it came with strings attached. Mate, there's no way you're a fool. How could you ever know there were strings attached when your parents explicitly told you there were no strings attached like come on you can't predict that it's just very unlucky and totally selfish from them but i don't really get it they're stunting your life for no reason do they just not trust you as an individual you've said what you're going to do with the money you've even offered to repay them the entire down payment with interest like that's nuts why would they not just accept that it doesn't make sense to me i mean looking through the comments here it seems that you can do something called a forced sale when joint owners cannot agree on what to do with the property sale of the property can be forced by the courts you need a lawyer to do this though so i guess that's the way to go down. Bit messy, isn't it? Your own parents doing this to you. But hey, if you have to get involved with lawyers, you got to do it. Now, moving on to our final story of today's episode. Now, a little bit of context is required with this one. Parents let my brother steal from me until I got my aunt involved. Now, I've covered quite a few of this person's entitled parents posts in the past, and they are pretty mental. Rather than going back over everything that's happened, I'm going to leave a link in the description to the most suitable episode, which shows you what this guy has had to go through in his entire life. But to sum up very briefly, pretty much his parents massively favor his brother over him to an unbelievable extent. Anyway, let's get into the story. Back when I was still a kid, it was very hard for anything to be exclusively mine. And as my brother got older, he craved money for things above all else. He and I both got allowances, equal allowances. So that was sort of fair. I say sort of because he didn't have to do chores for his while I did. But that's in the past now because my brother is now having to do all those chores for nothing. My brother always wanted more money though, whether he spent it or not. He loved having new things, but sometimes he would save the money instead, which is odd because you'd think him the kind of kid who would splurge his savings on the first thing he wants. My brother and I both got allowances of about $25 per month, and I was pretty thankful for it. I usually saved most of mine, but my brother always wanted more. One day as a teenager, I came home to find that my room had been ransacked and the only thing gone was my money. I'd hidden it to try and keep it from my brother because, well, obvious reasons if you guys know what my brother is like by now. And I thought I'd hidden it well, but he found it anyway. My mum was home when he did it too and she acted like she didn't even notice. But there's no way that she couldn't have heard him tearing my room up. I called her out on that during the intervention and she just cried and made excuses about my brother being special till other family members told her to shut up and own up to it. Now guys, if you haven't already heard the previous story, you're missing a tiny bit of information, but it's not, you know, decisive. Again, if you do want to hear that first, 
link down below. My room was on the first floor right in the living room. My door was completely in view of the couch. And when I pointed this out back then, my mum just made the, but he's special, he's not like you, excuse for my brother. I said I wanted the money back and my mum just made more excuses. And my dad did too when he got home later. So yeah, excuses then and now. Back then, I did eventually get that money back because I refused to let it go. I heard my brother screaming as they took the money out of his piggy bank and gave it back to me. And they had the most disappointed looks on their faces like I just robbed my brother even though he'd robbed me. But they couldn't tell me off because I wasn't in the wrong and they knew it. I don't imagine many kids getting in the kind of situations where they are more right about something than their parents very often. A few months later and the whole situation repeated. My brother ransacked my room again and stole the money I'd hidden again. But that time, my parents didn't want to do anything about it. And they basically said that they couldn't bear to see my brother so disappointed from taking his money. I reminded them that stolen money wasn't his money. And it was really trashy that they were just sitting back and letting it happen. My dad yelled at me to go to my room for saying that. So the next day, I rode my bike to my aunt's house and told her everything. She came back home with me and asked my parents if they'd really let my brother steal from me and done nothing about it. My mom just started whining that my brother has special needs and she didn't want to make him cry again. And my dad backed her up. My aunt just gave them both that narrow-eyed look and reminded them that they have two sons and my feelings matter too. And what they were doing was very wrong. It meant that my brother would never respect boundaries and would think that he could always get away with stealing when he gets older. My aunt asked me openly how much my brother took. I stated the number, which at the time was everything I had, save for the few bucks in my wallet. My aunt gave my parents an expectant glare. My parents tried making a few more excuses but my aunt had a counter for each one. Finally, my parents went into my brother's room and a moment later, my brother was screaming. My parents came back with all of the money my brother took and practically threw it at me for making my brother cry. My aunt then told them off for acting that way when I'd done nothing wrong and they picked up all of the money they'd thrown at me and gave a pretty forced apology. My aunt said that she would be severely disappointed in them if they let this situation repeat. And before she left, my aunt offered for me to hide my money at her house in a lockbox she had. I took her up on that and started keeping my savings over there. Now, I don't want to intervene here, guys, but can you just, just, what, what am I reading? Your own parents are being scolded by your aunt and your aunt is having to say to you, you can keep your money at my house where it will be safe from your brother and your parents. That is so mad. Anyway, my brother ended up ransacking my room two more times looking for money, but I was keeping every cent I had at my aunt's house. My parents actually asked me where I'd hidden it and I refused to tell them. Then I asked why they wanted to know so badly anyway, and my dad instantly got defensive about it. My mum calmed him down and they didn't ask again. Since he couldn't find my money in my room, my brother figured I must have hidden it somewhere else. So he started tearing the house apart, one room after another. And who was made to clean up the mess? Why yours truly, of course. My parents started to blame me for the whole situation. But when I asked how I was at fault for not letting my brother steal from me, their only counter was that my brother was special needs. I swear they'd used that line with me thousands of times. That was something else I heavily berated my parents for in the family intervention. The final straw came when my brother ransacked our parents' bedroom. My parents had a small suitcase safe that they kept some cash in. And my brother locked himself in their room, then took the whole safe and started bashing it around on stuff to try and get it to open because he couldn't find the keys. By the time my parents were able to get the door open by breaking it open, my brother had just destroyed the room and he never even got the safe open. He just sat on the floor, clutching it and crying about the money inside. My dad was so angry that he turned red and they actually started yelling at my brother 
and even grounded him. A very rare sight for me to see back then indeed. Then my parents forced my brother to help clean up the mess. After that, my brother never ransacked mine or my parents' rooms looking for money again, but he would still go rooting around every time he had an idea of where my savings could be. So I started acting like I was giving hints by repeatedly going into certain places while he was watching. He ransacked the backyard shed, dug a bunch of holes in the yard and under the back porch, and even ransacked the attic. My parents really hit their breaking point with the attic and grounded my brother again. They never figured out I led him on either. My parents did eventually figure out that I was keeping my money at my aunt's house and they didn't argue with my reasoning for doing it. But either my brother overheard or one of them spilled the beans to him because the next time he visited my aunt, my brother tried to hunt for the money. But my aunt yelled at him to stop and my brother just sat on the floor and cried. This happened a few times and my aunt bluntly stated that she would press charges for any damages if my brother ransacked anything. And she also kept a digital camera on hand to record anything if need be. My parents heavily scolded my brother to stop looking for my money. It wasn't his and he can't have it. Cue more screaming and crying that he wants it like a three-year-old, even though he was seven at the time. Then my brother said he didn't want to go to auntie's house anymore. So my parents visited less. My aunt visited us a lot more than we visited her anyway. I was pretty much able to keep my money away from my brother until after I moved out. And he's never managed to steal cash from me again. His classmates at school were another story. He was caught looking through the backpacks of other kids many times and he was forced to return stolen stuff and then sent home where he'd cry to mum and dad who then tried to have words with the school who berated them for letting my brother think that what he was doing was okay. They had to teach my brother that it's not okay to go through other people's stuff. And I actually heard him say, but I wanted what they had a few times. This excuse got used again when my brother stole an envelope with birthday money from a cousin during their birthday party. He tried to stuff it in his shirt and walk out with it later, but the cousin noticed it was missing and I suspected my brother right away and pointed everyone to him. He ended up crying and thrashing when my dad found the envelope hidden in his shirt. We left that party early. Again, guys, I implore you to watch another video or episode linked in the description below and it will appear on the end screen in just a few seconds to hear more about this incredible family. Uh, Incredible is an interesting use of word there, but you know what I mean. It is actually good to hear though that finally, despite some scolding from your aunt that should never have had to happen, your parents do seem to be learning that your brother shouldn't be allowed to just steal from random people. And they seem to have stopped enabling his terrible behavior as much. I don't know. It's still questionable, but at least they're on the right path. As for OP, once again, I think I said this last time, but bro, just keep keep going on, mate. Like, your situation is truly terrible. So fair play for dealing with it. I mean, I don't think I'd be able to. I think I would have had to leave home and just leave the country probably. What a mess that this family is, I'm sorry to say. But you, you're a good lad. Fair play to you. Entitled parent ignores me when I say not to pet strange horses. I am a 27 year old woman and I've got a black horse. The color is important for later named Ebony. And I have her at a boarding stable where I used to get riding lessons before getting my own horse. For some reason though, horses tend to attract entitled people. And this wasn't my first encounter with them here. So I had my horse tied up for a second in a room where you groom them and you're able to tack them up. And I was brushing her down. When Barn Goblin, the entitled daughter of this story showed up, wanted to pet Ebony. I told her not to pet her since I didn't know this kid and it's not a good idea to go near strange horses with the risk of being kicked since horses can kill if they kick. The barn goblin screams out, Mummy, she won't let me pet the black horse. That's when barn witch, her entitled mum, showed up, huffing. Lady, I have a kid and she wants to pet your horse. 
No, it's not a good idea to pet horses you don't know, since they can be skittish, I tell her. But my daughter wants yours, though. She only likes black horses, and the trainer only lets her ride a white one. The barn witch snapped. I'm sorry, but this isn't his horse, it's mine. And that horse the trainer brought out is better with new people. Others aren't, I say, trying to keep calm. Right then, we heard the barn goblin scream, and her hand was bleeding, since she tried petting my old trainer's new horse, since she was the only other black horse there, and this horse didn't like strangers at all, resulting in the girl getting bit pretty hard. My old trainer came out to see what was going on, and I will say, he is someone you don't want to mess with. After I explained what happened and what was going on, my old trainer snapped at both of them, telling them to leave and find another place to ride, since not only did this kid get bit for not listening, but was yanking on and using spurs on his other horse, which wasn't allowed. I just smirked when these two were kicked out, never to be seen again. You know what? Good. I'm glad this happened. You deserved it. Too many stories like this I read, and there's no real repercussions. Yeah, there's some justice for the entitled people, but they get away with it. It's good to see some actual physical violence happening for once. I don't know if I can say that. Is that a bit too deep? It is genuinely how I feel. Karma's good. My dad and his girlfriend tell me to suck up my great-grandmother's death as I was ruining her daughter's football match. When I was 11, my parents got an official divorce. Me and mum moved in with my stepdad and stepsisters while my dad stayed back at our old house. While I tried to adjust to a new family I'd only met maybe three times before we moved there and with whom I had a lot of issues, my dad was trying to get back into the dating world. And through the power of the internet, he met the entitled dog of this story. Spoiler alert, they broke up after six years. Thank you. But she was absolutely terrible. And with my dad being terrified of losing his now third shot at a long lasting love, he basically agreed with her on everything and never defended me. This woman loved attention, especially my dad's, and would do anything to get it, even if it meant tearing me down. It started small, accidentally booking their two people holiday on the weeks I was supposed to be at their place, accidentally talking a bit too loudly with her friends about me while I was literally one room over with the door wide open, accidentally throwing away my miniature toy collection because I was one over the age of three, and two, not a boy, and so on. One of the worst things that happened, as you can see from the title, was the day my great-grandmother passed away. She was the grandmother of my stepdad, but the minute she met me, she was one of the only people there who saw me as family instantly. She never treated me any differently to my stepsisters and cousins, and I loved her dearly. At that time, me and my dad were visiting the entitled dog for the weekend, and her youngest daughter, who was 24, 10 years older than me, was playing a football soccer match with the town's women's team. I'm not the biggest sports person, so in combination with being a moody teen and disliking the people there anyway, I was not enjoying myself. While the match was playing, I started wandering around. It was just the field, getting away from the crowd when I got that devastating phone call from mum. It wasn't out of the blue, as she was already 95 years old and sick. But when you get such news, it doesn't really matter. I hung up the phone to my mum, broke down then and there, and just started sobbing. Around five minutes later, my dad found me on the ground, asking what was wrong but I couldn't get any words out. The entitled dog came looking for my dad as he'd left her alone to come and look for me, which of course she hated. Through tears, I was barely able to get out what mama told me over the phone. Hearing that, all this entitled dog said was, so what? This game is important to my daughter. I've got no time for your whining. I'm missing her game. To my absolute horror, my dad stood up from where he was crouching in front of me the second she opened her mouth and he started agreeing with her, saying how I should just get up and continue trying to watch the game for the entitled dog's daughter's sake. 
She's just being dramatic buy her a coke or something She said to my dad before turning her head towards me again Besides it's not like she was your actual family But right now my real daughter is playing a match and I won't allow you to make us miss it with us She of course only meant my dad and her my dad led me towards the food stand sat me down on a bench and got me something to drink He then told me I just had to suck it up for his wife's sake that I knew how she got when it came to crying or any other babyish stuff Especially in public this included saying ah when I saw a kitten by the way You just have to consider her feelings. This is important to her and her daughter. He said I asked my mum to pick me up But she couldn't as she was currently busy supporting my stepdad's family So I sat there for the rest of the game crying into my bottle of coke a few strangers tried to talk to me But I just shrugged them off I am entirely grateful for their tissues though when the game ended my dad's wife's daughter's team won by the way And we finally got to go home all I got were eye rolls from this entitled dog and how I ruined her mood and enjoyment for the day Dad just shook his head and looked at me with disappointments They had friends over to celebrate her daughter's win with her later that evening as her family was really close But I wasn't allowed to ruin the good atmosphere with my puberty mood swings And so I had to stay in the guest room and so there I stayed for the rest of the night with a plate of food I never ate for what I got told off the day after just trying to dream of this day never happening and that I could have seen my great-grandmother one last time I'm 21 now and this memory is still burned in my mind as one of the worst days of my life Now look, I know what you lot are thinking. This mum is mental. She's a terrible person She is just toxic and that's clear and that's obvious But what's more important is the actions of your dad here are genuinely unreal Like clearly there are always going to be people like this woman out there and that's fine to be honest Like you can't do much about that You have to hope that they're not you know in your family But you don't have to talk to people like this But for your dad to not only have chosen to spend his life with this woman but also to stand up for her Instead of you when your great-grandma's just like it's just is mental you have to say is he not like self-aware enough to realize what he's saying is just crazy i don't know the fact that you're 21 now and that's still one of the worst days of your life and your dad could have literally stopped it like that but didn't is mad you owe your parents for everything they've done for you my mother raised me on her own because my father left when i was six he never wanted kids and made that clear to her when they first met but she thought he would change his mind once we were born she raised four kids and made sure that we were aware of every sacrifice that she's ever made she made it clear that we my siblings owe her and that she'd be collecting what is rightfully owed to her here is a list of things that we'd have to do for her to pay her back First of all, we did her homework for her when she was in nursing school because English was her second language She spoke French fluently but didn't feel comfortable doing her assignments in English We had to stay up to write her essays and our own essays for school If we refused she would scream cry yell beg slam doors bang on walls threaten us with eviction, etc I was scared that the neighbors would hear and call the police So I was in charge of calming her down My sister was in university and writing our mum's essay assignments and I was doing her daily homework before going to high school Number two, we started paying rent at 16 because children should not be allowed to live at home for free if they are physically capable of working You owe your parents at least half your paycheck to put towards bills I was working in a restaurant at 16 with no cell phone We had to buy our own cell phones and I got mine at 19 and coming home at 1am most nights I had to take three buses because I didn't have a car at 16. I'd make it home by 1am and be up by 6 to go to school. I'd be at school till 2.45pm and then come home for a quick snack before leaving to work a 4 to 11 shift. Imagine doing a 4 to 11 shift after school every day at the age of 16 
That's incredible. I still have hot oil burn scars on my forearms from working in a restaurant. I would leave to catch the bus at 12 in the morning, hoping to catch my next bus on time so I could be home before 2 a.m., which meant four hours of sleep. And I still had to finish homework to be up in time for 6 a.m. for school. I was clearly exhausted, but mum made it clear that bills had to be paid. I nearly failed grade 12 because I was exhausted all the time, but I somehow managed to pass and go to college. My mum gives herself all the credit for that accomplishment. Number three, I had to pay her car insurance and credit card bills. She'd sob hysterically until I agreed to give her $500 to $800 for her payments. She said that she did everything for us and that she was asking for the bare minimum, but I needed that money to pay rent and utilities. She also wanted us to pay for groceries, but I couldn't do all those things on minimum wage and then pay her for her car insurance. Number four, when I was 20, living at home and going to school and paying bills, she still insisted on a curfew. If I came home after 11 p.m., she'd be sitting on the front steps waiting to yell at me. Then she would look at me up and down, trying to find evidence of hickeys on my body. Respecting her curfew was one of the ways of paying her back for her sacrifices. Number five, she stopped paying rent and bills because she went on vacation for two months. She went back home to see family but left that responsibility to me and my siblings. When she returned, she decided that she still needed a break from bills and said that she wouldn't be paying until she felt mentally ready, if only that's how it worked. But it was fine because she put a roof over our heads as kids and we owe her. Number six, she blamed us whenever she did poorly on an assignment that we completed for her. Even if we didn't understand the requirements of the assignments, she expected us to do the research and get it done because we owe her. If she got a bad grade, she'd accuse us of trying to sabotage her. Seven, whenever we wanted a ride somewhere, we had to pay for gas. Even just a few minutes. When we go visit my older sister, I had to pay for gas. I was young and didn't have my own vehicle, but it was fine because I had to pay my mother back for raising me on her own. Number eight, she would ask me to pay for her cosmetics when they'd run out and I would do it because she was unhappy. Single motherhood is stressful and she felt like she deserved nice things for having to put up with the stress of raising four kids on her own. I was always trying to gain her affection by getting her things. I noticed that she was more affectionate and loving towards me when I bought her things she wanted. So she's so manipulative as well as just using you all. What a terrible woman. All I wanted was to lay on her like I was a kid again. So I did everything I could to make her happy, but she was never happy. Number nine, she would constantly call for me to come wash her dishes. Even if I cooked, I still had to wash all the pots and dishes and iron her clothes. But she did all those tasks on her own when we were kids. So we owe her now. Number 10, she would wake me up in the middle of the night if I forgot to iron her clothes for the next day, or she would ask me to rub Vaseline into her feet after a long day at the hospital. But she used to do all those things for us, so we owe her. I was also in charge of cleaning and setting up her sleep machine and getting her medications ready for her. She also had nightmares and would cool out in her sleep, and we would have to wake up in the night to check on her. 11. She would text me after I started dating my first boyfriend at 19, telling me to keep your legs closed and not to give it up. I was terrified of sex because she said that all men wanted to use women for sex. That if I wasn't careful, I'd get HIV or get pregnant and she wouldn't help me. I grew up scared of men, that all men would leave you or abuse you if you allowed yourself to be vulnerable. Number 12. I had to show up to college orientation alone. I had to figure out the process of applying alone. I paid all the fees alone. I disgraced her by not going to nursing school. She told me that I'd have to pay her to use her old textbooks. She said that we owe her. She told my younger that he should struggle and that she brought us to North America and that is enough. And finally, number 13, she blames us for our father leaving. And for that, again, we owe her everything. 
At 24 years old now, all I hear is her voice in my head. I can hear a stranger screaming at their kid and I automatically look around expecting to see her. I don't even know who I am or what I like. I speak and I can't connect the words to myself. I'm scared of making mistakes. I'm scared of trusting people. When Chadwick Boseman passed away, I was upset because he wanted to be here. He fought to be here and I'm just surviving. I do everything I'm supposed to do, but I feel nothing. I have a job, a roof over my head, an education, but I feel absolutely nothing. I'm just existing and waiting for my time to end. My mum told my brother that I would never leave her and she's right. She's with me everywhere I go. I hear her voice. When she's old, I'll be the one to care for her because my siblings have checked out completely. I owe her. Never in my life have I seen a parent use their child to this extent. And the fact that you're still around just shows what kind of mental state you must be in. All these years, just pining for your mum's affection. Still, after all this time, and for someone like me to read this and see objectively how horrible she is, and for you not to see that and understand the position that you're in just shows the level of manipulation and just like utter toxic abuse that you've had to suffer with for so many years. I mean, I've got to say, fair play to your siblings for checking out, but also fair play to you for sticking in there. But you have to take a leaf out of their book at this point. Like, uh, what benefit are you getting? I know it's your mum and all, but come on. you got to live your own life and not just suffer because she is such a horrible person. I mean, hey, easy for me to say, but... Yeah, if you can take steps towards doing that, or at least I guess the first point, guys, is just for her to understand the position that she's in. I don't know. Long road ahead. Please just understand how horrible your mum is. That's what I'm going to say. Entitled mother and daughter try to scam hotel restaurants. I am the food and beverage manager at a hotel that's right next to one of the most beautiful mountains in my country. That said, the hotel is literally in the butt frick middle of nowhere, a 20 kilometer drive from the nearest main road into town. When it comes to bookings for the restaurants, the bookings are made at reception and the information goes in our booking file, which I check every day. I only get hands on involved when the booking consists of 20 or more people. Any less than that are left to the restaurant supervisors as I've started giving them more responsibilities. Now onto the main story. Our reservations manager called me one one day, asking me to come and take a look at an event that was just booked at our hotel. 25 guests. A woman, our entitled daughter, wants to have a birthday celebration for her mother's 52nd birthday. I think easy peasy. I get in touch with her, send her my wine and drinks list. She chooses what she wants and prepays for the drinks. Easy 7,000 bucks. Okay, $7,000 for 25 people would be about $300 per person. I think this might not be American dollars, although I'm not sure, guys. Anyway, let's continue. A week goes by and I get called by the RM. The lady has upped her booking to 50 guests now. Immediately, I'm thinking, oh, snap. The space she reserved for her celebration can hold maybe 40 people max, and she's bringing a few children as well. I get in touch with her again and explain that we'll have to move her to our main restaurant area as the West Wing won't accommodate all her guests. I advise her that she can gladly choose our private venue, which is downstairs, mainly for conferences, but she'll have to pay an additional 7,000 bucks for the venue hire. She opted for the restaurants. Side notes, I mentioned the conference space as she wanted identical tables and chairs. Our restaurant has a mix of styles. I absolutely hate it, but anyway. I let her know that will be fine, and then I ask if she wants to keep her buffet option the same to finalize what is due to cater for the additional people attending. She lets me know that she wants it the same as her original option, and I must just let her know what else is outstanding so that she can pay it. I'm thinking, great, awesome client will be a smooth evening as we're getting the finer details done two weeks prior. But... Would I be posting here if that were the case? I chat to the RM. We reconcile all her POPs and get a final amount due. I call this entitled daughter back and let her know that about 8,000 bucks is due. She's absolutely shocked and asks, but why so much? 
This is how the conversation went. Mom, you've only paid 5,000 bucks so far, excluding your drinks. The total amount for the food is 13,250 bucks. Okay, yeah, no way we're in America here. That does seem ludicrous, but anyway. But I've already paid so much money. Why am I being charged so much for the food? Well, you'll have 50 guests and the buffet option you've chosen is 265 bucks per person. This comes to 13,250 bucks. With you already having paid 5,000, this leaves 8,250 bucks due. No, then something wasn't explained to me properly. When I spoke to the RM, she said that the buffet option that I chose, I only have to pay for 30 guests, and then I can add people on if I want. At this point, I'm trying to comprehend what this grown woman has just said to me. Mom, the buffet option that you chose can only be provided if your booking is 30 people minimum. Then every person you add onto that is charged on top. No, no, this was not explained to me properly. I literally facepalm myself. Our RM has been doing her job beautifully for the last six plus years. So at this point, I was highly doubting that she explained it in the way that this woman was saying. But I give her the benefit of the doubt, ruling it out to simple miscommunication. We'll get it sorted, right? Insert Donald Trump wrong meme here. She finally accepts that she has to pay the remaining balance, but gives me the silent treatment after that. Over the next two weeks, I text her about certain details that I just want to confirm, but she never responded. Then the event rolls around yesterday. The first supervisor and myself set the restaurant up neatly, move some other tables upstairs to our loft area so that our in-house guests can have a space for dinner without being bothered by the celebration in the main restaurants. The entitled daughter finally shows up at around 11 a.m. with her decorator to get the final touches done. She's very happy with the space, compliments our service, and keeps calling me sweetie. Ugh. And then we leave her and the decorating team to do their thing so that we can get the lunch and dinner setups done. I'm nearing an eight-hour shift by the time I can finally sit down and just eat. Having worked 12 days in a row now with multiple double shifts, and suffice to say, I'm a little cranky. I do my own scheduling. I'm working a lot due to being understaffed in the restaurant, so I'm there a lot to help my staff. I took one, one bite of my food and my office phone rings. I see that it's the front desk extension. I answer. The receptionist says, Hi, the woman wants to speak to you. At this point, I'm trying not to cry. Okay, I'll be there now. I put my pizza slice down, take a sip of my Red Bull and trot off to reception. I spot the woman standing at reception looking absolutely defeated. I put on my best customer service smile and speak in a sickly sweet voice. Hi, mom. Is everything all right? No, I'm just being told now that I cannot bring my DJ. I stand there, dumbfounded. Well, why was I not told before that I cannot bring a DJ? I've already paid for him, and I don't think I would get my money back as he's already on his way here. But mom, you never mentioned that you were bringing a DJ. No, no, I did. When I did the walk around with your RM, I mentioned that I was going to bring a DJ and she said that it was fine. I've wasted more money now. I give a quick glance towards the front office manager, a silent plea. And now your front office manager is being so rude to me, making me feel like I'm stupid, telling me that it's a public area and obviously a DJ would be a problem. I just look at her, nodding. Like, what am I going to do now? I guide her away from reception, explaining that because this is a hotel, we cannot accommodate a DJ in the restaurant, as we have guests that would be disturbed by the music. We have to take our other guests into consideration. She sighs, puts her hand in front of her mouth, and just says, Is there any way we can get the DJ here? I tell her that the best thing I can do is create a playlist for her on our sound system in the restaurant. She accepts this begrudgingly and wanders off to her decorating team. I shoot a look to the front office manager again and I just see her smirking. I love that woman's no-nonsense attitude. I disappear to my office again, pizza cold by now, and I just frown. I plop down on my chair and shuffle pizza into my mouth, 
trying to also get as much work done as possible before the start of the event at four o'clock so that i can be present on the floor 4 p.m rolls around and i am exhausted having worked 10 hours already i just need to stay around for one more hour to make sure everything is fine and then i can finally slip away psych we set out 58 plates 50 guests and eight children as was confirmed and we let the party begin they are loud Oh my god My first supervisor and my second and myself Have to constantly ask for the music to be put softer For them not to scream That we have guests in the loft area But this falls on deaf ears My second supervisor eventually said That if they continue to be too loud We will have to ask them to leave This finally kicks in and they tone it down I make sure my staff are okay That all areas are covered And I have a quick chat with a few guests And I head off for the night I have accommodation in the hotel as I was placed here on a temporary contract to fix the food and beverage department To then be transferred to a hotel in the same group in my city about four hours away I tried to relax as much as possible, but knowing I have a proper current on my hands I only stayed away for about an hour I got dressed in casual clothes and then headed back to the restaurant What I saw nearly gave me a heart attack that and the three red bulls i've already had at that point there were easily 60 people flocked in the restaurant not the 50 that were paid for i walk into the kitchen and the chefs are visibly panicking they cannot keep up with the amount of food that's being needed to replenish the buffet station the executive chef says to me op there are more than 70 people what is going on okay so i'm going to end the story here as it's already ridiculously long If this gets enough attention, I'll post an update to finish the story with the rest of the night and also about sour confrontations with the entitled mother and the entitled daughter and her friend the next morning. Oh, wow, really? Like that on that cliffhanger? That is so unfortunate. I guess we're gonna have to wait a few days to see if there's an update. What a shame. Yeah, you really think I'd do that to you? Here's the update. Okay, so after the executive chef was practically pooping her pants, I went to the front office manager's office with a look that screamed emergency. I told her that there are way too many people here. She calmed me down. I too can be a drama queen and grabbed two cigarettes for us to quickly go and smoke. Once back inside, we went upstairs to the loft area that overlooks the restaurant. We did a walkabout and did a head count each. She counted 72, I counted 74, but I was absolutely exhausted so I could have been wrong. She counted again, 72. At that point, she was so tired of this woman and her antics, calling her a chance taker, that she just burst out laughing. She and I went to her office, on our way looking for the entitled woman so I could discuss the extra attendees. I couldn't find her at all. It was a themed event and every single person wore white. A sea of freaking snow almost. I shoot her a text explaining that we have done a headcount and now the additional buffets need to be rung up on her docket and she needs to pay the balance so that we can settle it on the point of sale. I finally spotted her through the tinted window between the office and reception. Phone ever so gracefully lighting up her face. She squinted, stared at her phone some more, whispered to the person next to her, then called the second supervisor over to her. Oh boy, here we go. I chat some more with the front office manager and the second supervisor walks in, almost laughing. OP, the entitled daughter is asking for you. I grin at the front office manager and she just wishes me luck. I walk over to our lounge area next to reception where the entitled daughter is sitting with three other ladies, one of which was wearing a big puffy white dress, similar to a wedding dress. Ah, you must be the guest of honor. The woman says to me, I'm stressing about this bill now. I was having such a great night. Now I feel like it's just spoils. I look at her holding the check, a nice fat 24,000 or something bucks in bold. I snick it internally to myself. This check was her drinks and all buffet. Mom, you informed us that you'd be attending with 50 guests. 
we have to charge you for the food that your guests have eaten now thank god that we always do keep a fair amount of food in the fridge just in case of emergency because we can just suddenly have a party of 20 people wanting to have lunch on a lastminute.com walk-in yeah but the point of a buffet is that it's all you can eat the food ran out so quickly mom with all due respect it would run out quicker than expected due to having to cater for over 70 people instead of 50 we catered for 50 people having at least two and a half portions each that's an extra 50 odd portions that were unexpectedly needed this is where the entitled mother finally steps up she in her big poofy dress looks down at me this is not right my daughter has paid a lot of money and still treated so poorly your service staff are disgustingly rude that lady your front office manager is so rude and it's just shocking yeah i don't have this kind of money and with all my money being wasted on that dj that i couldn't even get here i'll not be able to pay on the 31st four days after her events my eyes widen a little at this sudden hostility as i felt i've been very respectful and i've been trying to resolve this amicably unfortunately you will have to settle the balance before you leave the premises whether that be when you check out tomorrow or leave tonight we just can't allow you off the property without paying the entitled mum huffs and puffs and says something to her daughter in a language that i do not understand a very common language spoken here but i'm part of the minority that doesn't speak it okay therefore we now know it's probably not america i tell the front office manager and the second supervisor that these guys need to sign their bill before they leave the restaurants I'm mentally drained at this point and I peace out for the nights. The next morning, a new day full of opportunities to resolve the bitterness from last night. A new day full of promising drama. I'm up early, get dressed and head for the restaurants. It is super quiet and I make myself the most god awful cappuccino I've ever had in my life. I get to work, chat with the executive chef, and being typical women, we gossip about the previous night. And always remember, speak of the devil and you shall step on his tail. My office phone rings. It's reception. I giggle as I answer, eager for some drama. But alas, I was not blessed. The security at the main gate gives each guest a slip with a gate code for when they leave. When a guest loses their slip, a senior manager has to escort the guest to the main gate, confirm the guest has stayed at the hotel, sign their new slip, and off everyone goes. Now, I am lazy as anything. I refuse to walk the 500 or 600 meters to the main gate, so I go to my hotel room, get my car keys, and drive to the main gate. Okay, wow, that is lazy. Oh lord, do I start drawling when I see what I see. It's the wine red colored Mustang GT that the front office manager and I have been eyeing every time we went to smoke. Just pure chef's kiss perfection. Security lets them out. I wish them a pleasant trip and drive back to the hotel. I forgot my cigarettes in my hotel room that morning. So I inform the executive chef that I'm taking my keys back to my room, grabbing my smokes, and then I want to go and freaking smoke. It's nearly 10 a.m. and I need nicotine. On my way to my room, I pass reception. Oh God, there's the entitled daughter, her entitled mum, and their entitled friend. The entitled friend spots me, a little white lady that's been so accommodating to their every insufferable need, and snaps her fingers at me, beckoning me over like a mutt. I stick on a smile, just desperate to go and smoke. Rather wanted to put a fire out of my face than talk to this piece of work. But no, she screams at me. You need to do something about your front office manager. She is the rudest person I've ever dealt with. You need to speak to her. Teach her how to treat guests. I calmly raise my hands, asking her to please keep her voice down and to please explain what happened. She practically spits out a repetition of what she just said. I ask to be excused and slip into the front office manager's office. She is just smirking. This is what she told me happened when I was letting that guest out at the main gate. Another receptionist was helping them finalize payments so that they can check out and just leave to be Death Eaters elsewhere. 
the front office manager hears a slight commotion start up and goes to the front desk to ask if she can be of assistance. The entitled mum, her entitled daughter, and their entitled friend just unleash at her, saying that she must not even speak to them. She's rude, and the entitled friend even dared her to come around to this side of the desk, recording her and threatening to post our terrible hotel on Twitter. The front office manager ignored everything after that and stepped back into her office. We contacted the director of operations for our group and explained the whole story. I actually heard him laugh through the earpiece. The front office manager grabs the director of operations business card, hands it to me and asked me to give it to them, to email him directly about all their concerns. When I stepped out to hand it to them, explaining that we've spoken to him with a slight smile on my face, the entitled friend looks defeated. Taking the card, she sets it down on the counter and just walks away. In the beginning, they tried to pay less for more people, got caught, then still brought more people thereafter. Then it turned to excuses like, oh no, I can't pay, to a flurry of verbal abuse to scare us into dropping the extra charges. After they paid and left, we burst out laughing, wishing, oh so badly wishing, that the hospitality purge thingy could be real, that we get one time a year that we can pepper spray a guest. Anyway, hope you all enjoyed. I sure as frick did, and we made killer money last night, thanks to the entitled mum and entitled daughter finally coughing up what they owed us. Okay, sweet. So at least you got paid in the end, because the worst thing that could possibly have happened here is after all those hours of work, all that food, all that service for 70 plus guests. I mean, can you imagine how much that would have cost on its own? You lose the 24,000 bucks or however much you were owed in whatever currency it is. Still can't quite work it out. If you've got any ideas, guys, let me know in the comments down below. But at least you got paid. So yes, it was a horrible experience, but you got the money. And that's ultimately all you can really ask for. I've got to say on the whole, wonderful story, wonderful update. Thank you, OP, for posting it. My parents booted me out at 18 and left me homeless. 10 years later, and they lost everything to 2020 bankruptcy. So they broke into my home to squat while I was away. I'm a 30-something male, and my parents didn't really want kids. I was an only child and pretty much an accident of pregnancy from what my relatives had told me, as my parents claimed that they were going to be child-free when they married. My childhood was initially good, but I think after I started growing out of the cute and adorable phase, my parents were less inclined to spend time with me. They both worked and had their own businesses that they started together. That business was their life, and I was always second fiddle to it. Any other close members of family, like my grandparents, lived states away, and I barely knew anything about them until I was an adult. So I had no other family around my entire childhood. I was practically raised by TV and my school teachers. My own birthdays, by the time I became a teenager, were often spent without my parents, as they'd just give me some money and tell me to go out and buy whatever I wanted. It was more or less the same with Christmas, and sometimes even back to school shopping. We wouldn't have even had a Christmas tree after I turned 10 if it weren't for the fact that I convinced my parents to buy a fake one that I could build up and then take apart later every year. If I was to describe my parents, think of them as those people who always wear black, drink lots of wine, and look down their noses at people. And the last I saw of my parents, they still looked and acted the same way, although my father was always wearing a toupee now. When I turned 16, I asked my parents if I could work part-time for them at their business, and they just told me they had no open positions or anything like that. They may as well have just come right out and said they didn't want me there. After I turned 18, my parents told me that since I was an adult, they expected me to move out as soon as I was able. I was working part-time because I was still in high school, and I didn't have anywhere near enough save for college. And not long after high school ended, my parents told me to pack up and move out. They got an official eviction notice that gave me 30 days and everything. They didn't even help me move. I had to get help from a friend's dad who owns a truck. 
I ended up renting a trashy apartment and working retail. I had no real life experience and no time for college. Then, after just a few months, I got fired because my manager legitimately had it out for me and wrote me up for the stupidest things. I don't even remember what they were anymore. But I wasn't the only one the manager treated that way. I called corporate about it and so did a few other people. Corporate looked into the manager and they were soon fired for various reasons. Not many of which I actually know since it was mostly kept quiet. But someone told me theft of cigarettes was a part of it and the manager was a chain smoker. However, corporate refused to rehire me and only said that they'd change the record to say I was laid off instead of terminated so my resume would still be clean. I guess they considered me damaged goods or something. So I ended up going broke pretty fast because I was terrible at managing my own money and I couldn't find steady employment. So I lost my apartments. I went back to my parents begging for help, but they refused to take me in. Not even for a little while to get back on my feet. I ended up homeless and living out of a tent in someone's backyard in winter. My friends had all moved to college, some in other states, and I was a broke kid taking whatever work I could to stay alive. My salvation came when one of the neighbors of my parents found out I was living out of a tent and offered to take me in for a little while so I wouldn't freeze. She helped me badger my parents into telling me how to get in touch with the other members of my estranged family. My parents did not want to say. My guess is out of fear of being judged for throwing their son out the way they did. But they coughed up the info and gave me a list of contact details and then told me not to bother them ever again. I called my grandparents from my father's side of the family and they were very surprised and happy to hear from me. Because they hadn't seen me since I was an infant and I'm their only grandchild. My grandparents, after finding out my situation, flew me over to live with them as soon as they could. They basically adopted me. My parents didn't even see me off at the airport despite being invited to. I've had zero contact with them for pretty much a decade. My grandparents said they despised my parents for treating me so poorly and legally disowned them by striking them from their wills. My parents, I'm told, were not happy to hear that, but also said it didn't really matter because they were plenty well off and didn't need anything from my grandparents. Wow, how wrong that statement turned out to be. After about a year of living with my grandparents, I was able to afford to start going to community college. I got an associate's degree, got a decent job thanks to a recommendation from my grandpa, and eventually my grandparents offered to sell me their house so they could retire to Arizona. My grandma wanted to live in a warmer climate as the cold winter was getting harder and harder on her health every year. I was sad to see them go, but I happily bought the house. They sold it to me for one third of its value, and I'll have it paid off in a few more years. My job has me going away on the road periodically, so I can end up away from home for weeks at a time. Not that I mind the travel, I've got no pets or a girlfriend or anything like that, I wouldn't have time for them right now. But in a few years, when I have some things in order, I'll make time. I don't want to stay a lonely bachelor forever. Then one day in late 2020, I came home after being away for over two weeks only to find a large white van I didn't recognize in my driveway. I was getting ready to call the police when I noticed the van had the logo from my parents' business on the side of it, and I felt dread. Yes, my parents were there. They'd broken in somehow and were living out of my home, and they had the nerve to greet me like we were buddy-buddy the moment I walked in. I told them to get the heck out, and they refused because it was grandma and grandpa's house. I said it wasn't their house anymore. They'd sold it to me when they retired. They'd have known that if they were in any way involved with my life. But they threw me to the walls 10 years prior with no life experience. We argued and they refused to leave. My father told me it was his parents' house first and that meant that he and my mother had the right to live there if they wanted. I walked right into the bedroom, locked the door and called the police. When the cops showed up, they were of no help. My parents claimed to them that they'd already been there long enough to have residency, which was a complete lie, but I had no cameras to prove they weren't there a month. 
My neighbors had no cameras either So it was my word against my parents over how long they'd really been there and they were claiming squatters rights They told police they had a verbal rental agreement with me and that I was trying to illegally evict them for no reason My mother even put on the waterworks when saying that the police told me it was a family dispute and to file eviction with the courts to get them out And this was in 2020 getting to court for anything took longer because of the pandemic Meanwhile, my parents are squatting in my house rent free rubbing it in my face From the information I got out of them Their business went bankrupt and they sold off almost everything they had to pay their debts All they had left was the van and a few personal belongings So they expected to live in my house rent free for the foreseeable future They were working too. Both of them soon got new jobs. My father a delivery driver, my mother a sales associate. They were making money and the only things they contributed to was electricity and water utilities, which was basically just handing me a $100 bill every month and saying I should be grateful they were paying me anything. Anytime I tried to discuss proper rent with them, they just said I owed it to them to live rent free because I took 18 years of their lives. And it's not like they were demanding the money back for that time They then threatened to stop helping me with utilities altogether I was so at my wits end that I ended up calling my grandparents to explain the situation to them They were very unhappy and spoke with my parents But my parents still said they had the right to stay in my home and refused to budge My grandpa told me he was sorry it had come to this and that if they hadn't sold me the house My parents wouldn't have invaded. I told him not to worry I'd already filed for a legal eviction and I get it soon enough and my parents already knew that they were on borrowed time I made sure to say that an earshot of them too. They responded with the silent treatments My father was away most of the time driving a delivery vehicle six days a week Which was a job really not to his liking and my mother basically tried to take over my house in her spare time She demanded I let her rearrange my living room and even tried to force me to give her and my father the master bedroom Because they were my parents and they deserve better as she put it I vetoed both of those things and said they don't deserve better and to stop trying to act like I owe them anything I didn't ask to be born and it's a normal obligation for parents to raise their own children And all they were doing was trying to assert dominance to try and keep me from kicking them out Finally after four months and now into early 2021 I managed to take my parents to court over their squatting We only needed to go to court because they fought the eviction and tried to gaslight me into rescinding it They tried to use the fact it was formerly my grandparents house and the fact they were giving me a hundred dollars a month as some sort of leverage of residency But there was no real rental agreement and they were smart enough not to try and forge one as that would have been fraud So the judge ordered that they needed to be out in a maximum of 30 days because they had zero claim to my house After court, they confronted me and said they were disappointed in me for kicking out my own flesh and blood I couldn't help but laugh and called them hypocrites because that's exactly what they did to me without a care in the world for my well-being They had no love for me. So I have no love for them I owed them nothing. They just tried to act like everything that was mine was theirs But they had no right to call themselves my parents because they've never actually really acted like it I called them a pair of snobby lying narcissists to their faces and told them to get their affairs in order Because they already know I won't hesitate to call police if they do not leave my house when the 30 days are up My father looked enraged But my mother stopped him from saying or doing anything by grabbing his shoulder and shaking her head He sneered at me and walked away. They left But not without a lot of tension that final month was spent with them either guilting me to try and make me change my mind Or completely ignoring me I put up a calendar in the living room and checked off each day before they had to leave with a red marker And the exact day they were to be out was marked with a big red circle I still remember that final day. It was march 2nd My parents waited until the exact day they had to leave my home for good before they finally left 
even when all their stuff was out of the house and they were sleeping on the floor in the guest room for a few days. Since they were so convinced they could make me let them stay, they didn't bother to try and look for an apartment until after the court eviction went through. And my mother spent weeks scrambling to find one. They had to get a tiny and trashy studio apartment in the next city over because it was the only thing they could find on such short notice. A lot like what I had to do when I was 18. Quite ironic. I drove my mother over to see it once and the apartment was terrible. The walls were baby bath green. The carpet looked like it was 20 years old. The only window just had a view of a brick wall outside. No dishwasher. The stove was the smallest one I've ever seen. And the toilet looked like it really needed to be replaced. The walls also did little to stop noise from neighbors. There were already two people loudly fighting in the adjacent apartment while we were there. My mother went out of her way to try and give me sad looks while dropping hints that I should be feeling guilty that I was reducing them to live in such a place. But I just acted obliviously to it all until she finally stopped. They signed the lease right away and moved what little stuff they had into the apartment over the weekend. They also ended up demanding the queen-size bed, dresser, and flat-screen TV from my guest room. I told them just to take the dang things because I no longer wanted them in the house after they spent five months sleeping in that room. They looked at me like I was treating them as though they were diseased and demanded nothing more. The moment they had to leave for good, I started changing the locks on all exterior doors. All their stuff was at the apartment and they spent their last night in my guest room. They watched me start ripping the old lock off the front door as they were getting into their van. They said nothing, I said nothing, but they just sat and watched me for a while until I had the new doorknob on. Then they finally left. I breathed a massive sigh of relief the second that van went down the road. I figured karma had finally come for them and they could live under a rock for all I cared, but nope. My grandparents heard from them recently. They'd called them to brag that they had a new business, similar to their old one, in the same state I'm living in now. And they're basically on track to be right back to where they used to be in life prior to the pandemic. Yes, making good money and looking down on others. I've already Googled their new business and it seems like it is doing well. They have many positive reviews and everything. I'm pretty freaking resentful, truth be told. They put me through being homeless, squatted for next to free at my house for months, then went right back to being the snobby, wine-drinking business people they used to be. If karma is real, it's taking too damn long. Oh, what a story that is. First of all, before we even get into what your parents have done over the course of your entire life, the primary thing you need to do right now is ensure that your house is completely locked. You know, like, get the cameras in, you've got new locks, that's good. Get like some bigger security gates, invest in some Rottweilers. I don't know. Just make sure that your parents can never ever step foot in your house again without being attacked and murdered. Uh, That is what I would suggest. Second of all, your parents themselves. Such users and abusers. I'm sorry that you wasted 18 years of their life. It was their decision to have you. Are you joking? Uh, Can you imagine blaming a baby for just existing? It's It's a very, very strange form of logic, I would say that. The fact that, you know, they just used you for that long and didn't even give you anything... And then we're like, oh, now that we need something, um, yeah, any chance we can just live in your house for free? What? You got so unlucky as well with the timing of the pandemic. That is seriously unlucky. But yeah, good stuff. Well done for holding your own. And I honestly hope you never see these guys again. But I didn't retire. My friend, I'll call her Sandy, worked at a travel agency in British Columbia, Canada. It was a small owner-operated business with the owner and three employees, including my friend. Everyone worked Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
One of my friend's co-workers, I'll call her Jane, an older woman in her early to mid-60s, was a long-time nuisance employee. Among other sketchy behavior, Jane was always scamming ways to take time off over and above her official paid vacation time. In order to make up for the lost hours, she would claim overtime hours and pay by supposedly going into the office in her off hours to finish up work without being requested to do so by the owner. Despite being caught in her own lies on a number of occasions and being warned about trying to claim for unsanctioned overtime, the owner of the travel agency was reluctant to officially reprimand Jane or get rid of her. The reason being is the owner discovered after she'd hired Jane that Jane had actually been fired from her previous job at another local travel agency for pulling the same stunts. However, Jane had sued her former employer for unfair dismissal and had won a settlement. After a few years of my friend Sandy working at the travel agency, the owner was ready to retire and offered to sell the business to my friend. Sandy took her up on the deal and took over the business while keeping on Jane and the other employee. Once again, just as the previous owner was afraid to get rid of Jane, so was Sandy for fear of being sued. When Sandy took over the business, she instituted guidelines regarding taking time off and she established an official no overtime policy. Jane would still try with her shenanigans, but was far less successful in getting what she wanted with my friend in charge. However, Jane still had one trick up her sleeve when she wanted to take time off on a whim. Sandy was a divorced single mum of two boys who were heavily involved in youth hockey. She would sometimes leave the office an hour or two before closing to get her boys to hockey practice or a game. In order to avoid requesting in person and potentially being denied, Jane would wait for Sandy to be out of the office to book a day off if she didn't feel like coming into work or had made plans. Sandy would then arrive at work the next morning only to discover that Jane wasn't coming in. Despite this happening a number of times, Sandy would usually let it slide since there was now a definite no overtime policy. Therefore, Jane could no longer claim to come into work on the weekend or after hours in order to try and make up for the day off. She'd either miss out on a day's pay, in turn saving Sandy money as the owner, or it would come out of her remaining paid vacation days. Moreover, two people in the office at one time could usually handle everything. Jane not coming in was really a no-loss situation for Sandy. There was one time, however, when Sandy was going to be away for one or two workdays just before the weekend to take her boys to a hockey tournament. She told both Jane and the other employee, both verbally and in writing, that they could not book time off for the dates in question since she she would be away and needed both of them in the office. Within a few days of giving this notice, Sandy went into the office on a Saturday to do some paperwork and go through the sales for the week. This is when she discovered that only the day before, Jane had booked a trip for her daughter and son-in-law to Las Vegas, as well as a plane ticket in her name to Calgary, where her daughter lived. Both the trip to Vegas and the ticket to Calgary coincided with the date Sandy would be out of the office. Sandy then checked the vacation booking schedule to further discover that Jane had indeed booked the days off that she'd expressly been told she couldn't have. Not mentioning she'd discovered the travel Jane had booked for herself and her daughter, Sandy emailed Jane, telling her she would have to deny her the days off since she'd already been told they were unavailable because she, Sandy, would be away and needed Jane in the office. Through a continued series of email exchanges, Jane replied and outright lied to Sandy with some excuse about her daughter getting some long-awaited medical treatment or surgery and she needed to go to Calgary to help out for a few days and look after her granddaughter. Sandy replied to this lie by telling Jane she knew about the trip she'd booked to Vegas for her daughter and son-in-law, that Jane's trip to Calgary was most likely to babysit her granddaughter while her daughter was in 
Vegas and that she would still have to deny Jane the days off, especially since she booked them after being told they were unavailable. Jane countered in her subsequent reply, without even addressing the fact that she'd been caught in a lie, that she had been a dedicated employee of the travel agency for several years and couldn't understand why she was being treated so unfairly after all she'd done for the business. She then wrote that since she wasn't being treated as a valued employee, she had no choice but to retire and was giving her two weeks notice. Despite Jane's threats, Sandy replied that she would still be unable to grant her the days off and left it at that without making any mention of Jane's threat to quit or retire. Sandy then contacted her accountant, who also acted as her de facto business advisor and explained what had happened with Jane. Also aware of Jane's previous shenanigans, Sandy's accountant told her that this was the out she'd been looking for with Jane and she had it all in writing. He told her that Jane had essentially resigned and retired and all Sandy needed to do was honor Jane's desire to do so let her finish out her two weeks or pay her two weeks wages in lieu with no further severance pay legally required since she hadn't been fired. The following Monday, Sandy went into the office early, accompanied by her long-term boyfriend to act as a witness. She put Jane's belongings from her desk into a box and took the things that were property of the business. Since Jane was old school and had resisted inputting client information in the computer database, this also included a small box filled with index cards, which had client phone numbers, addresses, credit card information, and other personal information noted on them in the meantime the other employee had arrived for work and they all waited for jane to show up jane arrived just before nine acting as though nothing had happened and greeted everyone with a good morning as she walked through the door however she was apparently taken slightly aback when she noticed sandy's boyfriend seated in the far corner of the office at this point jane was midway to her desk when sandy informed her that there was no need to go any further and that she had accepted Jane's notification of retirement. She then handed Jane a check, compensating her for the hours she'd worked in the current pay period, as well as two weeks' wages in lieu of Jane finishing out her final two weeks before her retirement. Jane was dumbfounded and went into panic mode. But I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire. Sandy responded that indeed she had retired, given her notice, and had proof of it in writing. All Jane could do was continue repeating, but I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire. While unsuccessfully attempting to get the support of the other employee who refused to come to her defense. Sandy then pointed to the box containing Jane's belongings, wished her a happy retirement and told her to leave the office. Jane quickly rifled through the box and noticed that the small box containing the index cards with client information was not there. She insisted that Sandy return it to her, to which Sandy refused, explaining it was property of the business, contained personal client information, and that she would be in violation of Canadian privacy laws if she were to let Jane take it. Jane's shock had now turned to obstinance, and she refused to leave without the box. Both the other employee and Sandy's boyfriend had started to get involved, repeatedly telling Jane to just leave. Sandy then informed Jane that if she didn't leave, they would have to call the RCMP, Canadian Police. At which point, Sandy's boyfriend dialed 911 to inform the dispatcher of a disgruntled former employee at XYZ Travel Agency who was refusing to leave the premises. Within a few minutes, two police officers arrived and Jane immediately ran to the door, ranting about being fired and about the missing box of client info. In order to de-escalate the situation, one police officer told Jane to come outside and explain to him her side of the story. The other officer remained in the office to hear Sandy's side, agreeing that Jane was not legally entitled to the box of client info. The other officer then re-entered the business and told Jane to wait outside, 
He said that Jane was insisting that Sandy was holding on to her personal belongings, namely a box of important information. Both Sandy and the officer who had spoken to her explained the context of the box to the other officer, who in turn agreed it was not Jane's property. The police officers then picked up the larger box of Jane's personal belongings, took it outside to Jane, and told her she needed to go home. To rub salt in Jane's wounds, the next day, Sandy put up a large sign in the window of the business congratulating Jane on her retirement, and even put a small announcement in the local news newspaper doing the same thing the icing on the piece of revenge cake was sandy when filling out the necessary government forms so when an employee quits gets fired or retires made sure to check the box labeled retired for the reason for jane no longer being employed by doing so jane was ineligible to collect unemployment insurance benefits and there we go a lovely little story of revenge to start today's episode i've got to say it must be pretty terrifying when you have a horrible employee like this person like jane and you know their track record you know that if you fire them or let them go they're going to do everything in their power to sue you and you know they've got a good track history they've won before they might financially ruin you How terrifying would that be as their boss? So the fact that you have her explicitly saying that I'm going to retire is just so good. I love that you lawyered up to make sure that everything was legal. I love that you got your boyfriend in there for a little bit of muscle. And I love that he called the police as well. Because why not? Get this swine gone. You did. And now she's in the mud. Good stuff. Want some free gas? I got you, bro. So several years ago, my friend and I, we'll call him Boris, would always help each other do the spring cleanup for our properties. This included taking out damaged trees, preparing garden plots, and taking care of our weed-infested yards. I was going to be first on the cleanup detail, so I prepared tools and implements the Friday before the big cleanup was to happen. Sharpening tools and chainsaw chains, lawnmower blade, and just getting everything in order. Among those tasks was mixing two cycle oil, Finished up kind of late and generally put things away for the next day. The next morning, Boris shows up with coffee and biscuits at around 8am. As we were sitting on his tailgate enjoying breakfast, my neighbors ride by in their beat-to-heck Chevy Cavalier, smoking like a freight train. We'll call them Rocky and Bullwinkle. Boris and I made the usual jokes about the amount of smoke pouring from the exhaust. Dang, bet they go to the gas station and fill up with oil and check the gas. We soon finished breakfast and thought no more about it. As we begin to get the tools laid out and hash out a plan of attack, I cannot find my gas cans. No mixed gas, regular gas, or a gas can in general. That's when it dawned on us why the car Rocky and Bullwinkle were driving was smoking so bad. I'm fuming to say the least. Well, all Boris and I could do was go shopping for gas cans, gas, and more two-cycle oil. After we returned, we saw Rocky and Bullwinkle pass by several times, but all in all, we got a lot done. The next weekend, we dedicated to clean up at Boris's. A weekend or two go by, and we have a family dinner at my wife's, Rocky, and Bullwinkle's grandparents. Oh, okay, I guess your wife is cousins with Rocky and Bullwinkle. Towards the latter part of the evening, we were having a few drinks. Most people had left, and myself and my wife's grandfather were shooting the breeze when I had to take a leak. As I was doing so, I saw a gas can with very distinct paint on it. I inquired from the old man about how it came into his possession and he stated that Rocky and Bullwinkle left it there. I simply explained it was mine, as was another, and loaded them into my truck. It ate at me every time that POS car with my post neighbors went by. So I hatched a plan from a rotten egg. I went and bought a few gallons of gas, a few gallons of diesel fuel, and some other various oils. I made a concoction of these different chemicals and filled my new six gallon gas can I had to purchase. With some clean gas, I filled the lawnmower and cut some grass that evening, making sure Rocky and Bullwinkle saw me. 
Then I put everything away but forgot and left that rotten egg gas can out. I got up and went to work the next morning and didn't even think to check on the can. But when I got home, I checked and it was gone. My wife informed me that my plan must have worked as she watched Rocky and Bullwinkle go in and out with the car not only smoking, but spitting and sputtering as well. The last time they rode out, they didn't ride back in. Hmm... They gave me about an hour of peace before they came over and wanted to know if I could look at the car and see what was wrong. If it could not be fixed on the side of the road, maybe tow at home. My response, I've had a long day and I've got a migraine, maybe tomorrow. I saw the panic set in when I told them that. That's when they told me they had no insurance and it was on a main road. Tough luck. So the highway patrol did run across it and had it towed. It was going to cost them around $500 to get it out of impound. Plus they had to have current registration and insurance. The car just wasn't worth that. Well, they're those type of people that good luck just falls on them. And the pastor for a local church gave them an old Taurus. It took me a few cans of rotten egg gas, but I got the motor to lock up after about a month. This time it quit in their grandparents' yard. So they scrapped that and as luck would have it, they got their income tax returns. They bought a nice looking Ford F-150, but it began having problems too. Smoked really bad. They did take it to a mechanic that eventually found the problem. He got the truck running right again for about $1,500 and I've never had any more gas come up missing. Thanks for reading. So you're telling me you total two motors and cost these guys over $2,000 just for something that they did. That is some pro revenge right there. And that is what I love to see. You know what's mental is it took them a long time to realize what was going on there. It took them two cars, plus kind of their first one, I guess, as well, to understand that they were just being absolutely done by you. You knew what they were doing the whole time. And to be fair, good karma for stealing. You shouldn't be allowed to get away with this, and they didn't. I really wish that I could have been a fly on the wall in that mechanic garage when the mechanic told them what was going on and what gas they were really using. Can you imagine their reaction in the full knowledge of knowing that you were the one that they taken the gas from and being like my friend's mum pushed me into a table saw my friend kylan and i work in a woodworking company it's a pretty great job for me as i love hands-on activity and creating things kylan however has more of a difficult time with the tool which is completely fine as i help him with it his mum and my mum aren't necessarily close but both support me and him in our work we're pretty young so it helps with reassurance But a few days before this incident, I started to realize that Kylan's mum never really acknowledged my work. Now, that's not really a big deal to me, as I don't require praise, but I do find it a bit weird, as Kai's mum has apparently had a few racial incidents at her own work, and I'm African. I was just assuming it's because she's afraid. I'm a pretty built guy and six foot six. Fast forward to Tuesday, and I'm working on a wooden chair that has taken me a few more attempts than wanted. The table saw I've been using to make clean cuts was pretty rusty from Kai using it constantly. I headed out to the department to get a replacement and was a bit annoyed with Kai for not doing it himself I came back and said hey man Don't be afraid to change your equipment and he rolled his eyes and just replied with a K Which just annoyed me even more. I just pushed past it and continued But minutes later I heard Kai laughing and I looked up to find him laughing at my cutting This made me extremely upset as i've been working almost day and night while he only works seven to nine hours This along with his mum then coming into the shop and laughing along with him annoyed me This got to me and I walked over to Kai and told him a few words that I shouldn't have He immediately got defensive and pushed me back and I was about to strike back when his mum instantly joined in with him 
and intentionally pushed me to the left where the saw was stupidly i'd left it on as soon as i was pushed back the back of my hand was shoved right into the saw causing a drizzle of blood to just gush everywhere and for my palm to be basically split in half with a huge gap between my pinky and ring finger the shot kicked in and i instantly grabbed my hand and shouted for my mum, who was on the other side of the shop she immediately got an ambulance and i was sent to the closest hospital kai's been texting me almost every day apologizing for his mother The only text from her was her saying that this was my fault and to not hurt her son And there we go a pretty crazy story to start but just yesterday we had an update posted by op So since my first post, thank you all for the kind words and advice a lot has gone down First, Kyle and I have made up. It wasn't his fault for what his mum did, and I get that. Secondly, after telling his mum's husband about what actually has been going on and him getting annoyed at her, he's taken me into the station to get things sorted out and ask how I want to move forward. I haven't really decided what I'd like to do at the moment, but I'm leaning towards just money for compensation or something. Kyle's entitled mum also showed up at my house two days ago, demanding for me, but I wasn't there at the time. But when I did get back home, I saw her standing there waiting for me. My mum said she stayed there the whole time waiting and I went up to ask her what's going on and why she's here. And in response, I got a huge glob spat in my face and a whole bunch of yelling. Honestly, it took me a lot of restraint to not yell at her back, but I just calmly told her to get the frick away from my mum and my house. Eventually she did. And finally, one more update. After tons of comments, I'm going to take this to court. The entitled mum's husband has given me a good injury attorney that I can talk to, and my mum needs to help me fill the documents out once I get there. I don't know when the court date is though. I mean, mate, if your hand's been sawed in half, then yes, you should go to court. That's the least you should do. Don't get a tiny bit of money. Sue her. It's her fault. Yeah, I don't really know how you left the saw on, but you know, it happens. She was the one that pushed you into it. It's her fault. Go and get your bag. I'm baffled. I was asked to look after a stranger's child today while I was working on a boat. I was on a client's boat to take measurements for a job they'd like me to do. The place they're docked is alongside a lovely sidewalk that is open to the public. I was on the front deck when I heard a family walk by. I was aware of them, but I didn't look up until, excuse me, it spooked me as they were so close. So I looked up. A mother and child were standing on the sidewalk in front of the boat. Sorry, you snuck up on me. Can I help you? Sometimes people stop to ask me directions to a bathroom or are curious about what I'm doing So randomly striking up a conversation isn't uncommon and i'm happy to help or make a bit of conversation Hey, uh, can you watch my kid for a minute? No explanation. No greeting. Nothing I was stunned into silence for a second while my brain tried to process the mother took this time to interject before I could reply It's okay. She can just hang out on your boat with you. She what her child looked to be kindergarten age Maybe even younger Before she could start walking towards the pier, I finally gained enough brain power to speak. Ah, no, sorry, this isn't even my boat. Oh, well, whose boat is it? Yeah, like that's relevant? This is my client's boat. Can she come on? Mom, I'm working, I said, raising my voice a bit, holding up a bunch of measuring tools. It's just for a minute, she urged. I was appalled. Sorry, no can do. I was about to say more, but she interrupted before I could continue. Well, can you get off of the boat and watch her here then? I gave her another stunned look. I am working, I said a bit slower. And I'm sure my boss wouldn't appreciate me watching strange kids while I'm on the clock. Again, I was about to say more, but her child was whining and pulling violently on her mother's hand. Fine, she snapped suddenly, dragging her child away up the steps. Not gonna lie, it was really odd and unnerving, and my heart was beating really fast. I'm legitimately shocked. Boats and docks are not a safe place for children, especially without a life jacket. 
a strange child? Not knowing if they can swim or their water history? What about their behavior or if they'll even follow safety instructions or directions? Why would you give your child to a complete stranger working in a place that's not safe or suitable for a kid while they're working? I am a stranger. I should ask the owner of the boat if they can reverse their boat into the space next time so I don't have to face the general public while working anymore. All right, this is a pretty deep thing to say, right? And obviously I would never wish this on any parent, but at some stage, if she's gonna keep doing this, I kind of want her kid to get kidnapped, mate. Because that is the only karma that is reasonable here. If you're just going to palm your, your child off to a random stranger on a boat, what's to stop them from literally driving the boat off and you never seeing your kid again? Idiotic behavior. Obviously, you wouldn't want that for the kid. But for the mum, I don't know. Can we, like, prank them in some way? Can one of you lot or me watching try and get in this situation, have the mum ask us to watch them, and then just go with the kids and hide for five minutes and make a panic? Seems a bit hard to do, but you never know. If you ever see this woman, have a go. <laughs> Pretty strange request, but yeah, why not? Entitled mum is mad I went to work while in possession of her high chair. This one is an old story, but I was recently reminded of it and thought this was the perfect place to share. The entitled parent here was my sister. When my nephew was born, she started collecting extra baby gear. I wanted to leave a set of stuff at my house so she could just drop by or leave my nephew for babysitting without notice. I was adamantly against this as I didn't want a bunch of baby gear or to be responsible for babysitting all the time without warning. So onto the story. I'd hosted a family dinner at my house and my sister forgot her high chair. When I realized, I called her and told her I was bringing it home for her. But when I got to her house, she didn't answer the door and I foolishly took it home with me, not wanting to leave it outside overnight. I didn't get a hold of her until the next day, at which point she yelled at me that I don't control her and can't demand she open her door. I responded, that's fine. I won't be wasting my time then and she'll have to find a time to come by some evening and pick it up herself. She did tell me a few times that she'd come by, but never actually showed up. At that point, I figured I was stuck with it since it had been a few weeks and she'd been asking me to keep baby gear and I stuck it in my under the stairs storage. At the time, I was working eight to five and I had a few different offices I worked out of. I was at my secondary office for the afternoon and at the end of the day, I dialed into my voicemail to my home office and was surprised at the number of messages I had. They started off calm. Hey, I need my high chair back. Then they got ruder and more demanding. I need it now and I'm coming over. After a few messages, one came from my grandma who she'd looped in asking me to please be reasonable and stop punishing my sister. Then the next message came from inside my house. My grandma who had a key had let her in to get the chair and she was screaming that I'd thrown it away since it wasn't in the kitchen. Another one from my sister accusing me of starving her child. And finally one from my dad saying my sister had called him in hysterics and to please call him back and let him know what was actually happening. This was sadly normal behavior for her. So he knew not to take what she said at face value, but also wanted it resolved. I called my dad back, letting him know I hadn't done anything to her except go to work during normal work hours and that it would be waiting outside my house in 30 minutes and not to call me about it again. I will never know why she urgently needed it that day when she'd been fine without it for weeks. But despite the panic, it sat outside my house for two days before it was picked up. Yeah, sounds to me like she's just incredibly spoiled. The fact that she didn't even come and collect it after demanding to go and get it and even looking around your house is all the evidence you need to show that it really wasn't that important. Otherwise, she would have collected it when she knew it was outside. I guess some people would say, don't let your grandma have a key and this wouldn't have happened. But it is nice to let your relatives have keys to your house. Just maybe not your sister because she is mad. Now, our last story in today's episode is actually an update from another the story that i read about a week ago which was all about entitled parents making their kid op homeless 
And then when things went badly for them and they lost their business and their finances, etc., they went and squatted in their kid's home without paying rent and without telling them. If you haven't yet seen that episode, the link is in the first line of the description. If you're on YouTube, it's in the pinned comment and behind the i button right now. Go and watch that for this to make sense. But anyway, here is the update. Well, I decided to make some inquiries and spent a couple of days asking around the family about how my parents got their new business off the ground. It's pretty unusual that they were able to come back from bankruptcy and get a new business started in under two years. No, it's not an MLM for those who thought so. Even my parents wouldn't resort to doing that. They undoubtedly think MLMs are beneath them. My parents' new business is comparatively smaller than their previous one too. I'd say about half the size. Before, they had at least two employees. Now, it's just the two of them. Someone pointed out that I should be watching my credit for identity theft. I already was, and I have been since I first started dealing with my parents squatting in my house. I put nothing past them, and they knew it. Honestly, though, I'm not even sure they bothered to remember my legal information in the past decade anyway. Heck, I'm not sure they bothered to even remember how to spell my first name, but I did lock down my credits, and there's been no unusual activity on it at all. So my parents didn't try to steal their company funds from me, at least. My paternal grandparents, or my good grandparents, one would say, are the ones who actually give a dang about me, and they have no idea where my parents got their money to open up shop again. My parents have called them numerous times since they disinherited my father and they've been refusing to take their calls since they called to brag about their new success a while ago. It's clear my parents had no help from my father's side of the family. So then what about my mother's? Well, I still had that old list of contacts my parents gave me filed away. And on that list was the landline number for my maternal grandmother. I did try calling her back when I was homeless. She didn't give a dang. I never met them in person, but my maternal grandparents are a lot like my parents. Guess my father truly found his soulmate with my mother. As a previous commenter pointed out, they were made for each other. I managed to get in touch with my maternal grandmother once again, and not only was she long divorced from her husband, my maternal grandfather is no longer alive. That was news to me. But he passed away seven months ago, and he left my mother a sizable inheritance. So yeah, that's where they got the money to open up shop again. My maternal grandmother sounded so proud of them too. She had little interest in speaking of much else. And it's likely why my parents called my grandparents to brag about how they're so successful again. They wanted to rub salt in the wound since my good grandparents cut them off. I really don't care though, and neither do my good grandparents. Everyone on my paternal side of the family all say my parents can go kick rocks. They want nothing to do with them. I'm not the only one my parents have jaded. My mother's side of the family are full of divorcees and drunken loners who will hate each other and just pretend to act civil. My father's side are what I'd call just very normal and nice people. My father, though, burned bridges time and time again. When I was born, my grandparents wanted to be in my life, but for some reason, my parents kept me from them. Why they did this, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's because they didn't want to be judged on their own parenting. I'd have been happier if they'd sent me to boarding school or to live with my grandparents. But I guess narcissists aren't truly happy if they don't have someone else to put down. I can only imagine the stuff they said about me behind my back my entire life. Either way, it seems my parents did nothing illegal to open up a new business. Nothing that can be reported to something like the IRS anyway. No law against using funds from inheritance as seed money to self-employment. My mother, like me, was an only child, so she got everything when her father died, including his house and land. That's where my parents are living now. I've seen a photo my maternal grandmother sent me. Not the nicest house, but not bad. Comparable to my own, I'd say. But it means my parents have a place to live scot-free now and likely won't need to bother me again. I want to sell my house and move. 
But it turns out the company that I'm in the employ of has no branch in Arizona. So it's either I quit and look for new employment in Arizona after selling my house, or I just stay where I am and hope my parents leave me alone. I'm looking into job searching because I really don't want my parents to ever find me again. I won't move if it's not feasible, but I prefer to be able to. Imagine that, feeling forced to leave the area you're in just because you don't want your parents to find you. That is crazy. It'd be moot to bother getting more cameras for the house if I want to sell it ASAP. But if I end up stuck here because of not being able to find another job in Arizona in the coming months, then I might as well get cameras installed inside and out. I've gotten a lot of good advice on the kind of cameras to get and where to put them. I kind of doubt the same situation will ever repeat, but I just don't want my parents to ever try to seek me out again for any reason. If they need help when they're old, I'm not gonna care. They'll get what they gave nothing they are dead to me for the rest of my life and the rest of my father's side of the family say the same if i ever become a parent or step parent i'll make dang sure i never become like my parents no child deserves that yeah good stuff at least you've learned from your parents about how not to parent um but i do agree with myself it's very sad that you're thinking of even having to move because of your parents not being able to find you again like that is nuts i would say and it's easy for me to say this sat here in my room but um just try and put in as many security things in place as you possibly can i agree with what you're saying about not wanting to do it if you know you're gonna move and it's good to actually look for another job and another place to live but it's a bit sad isn't it your own parents forcing you to move not even by doing anything i mean they haven't done anything yet right just what they could do in the future and you know what the more i think about it in 5 10 even 20 years time who knows their business could fail again and they could do the exact same thing they've done to you before so look in your spot i get it it's just extremely sad Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.